Good morning. Welcome to Wake Up Carolina. Wednesday morning, April the 5th. 843-661-0937 is our number. I was thinking about April. Good morning, Rev. Good morning. I was thinking about April 5th. Um, April's Fool Day was on a Saturday. Saturday morning was April Fool's. Um, and I woke up, uh, got me a cup of coffee, uh, plundered around uh, the house down at the beach for a little while. Um, my wife was still in the bed. Uh, I, you know, went back in where she was. And what are you doing? I mean, these microphones are strong. What I can pick up everything oh, you you're hear doing that? over there. Yeah, what were you doing? <laughs> Did you? Okay. So distracting and uh, it's disrespectful. Sorry, because I want to hear your story. I was I was okay. riveted. Well, apparently you. Yeah. <laughs> but but I have my sticky notes from yesterday's okay. show still stuck all over the board. So I was taking yesterday's show and discarding those notes, and that's what you heard. Sorry about that. Good deal. So back to the story. The beach. Back the to the story. The beach. I mean, the, the weather looked a little bit questionable, but then it worked out good, and um. My, my wife kind of wakes up at around 8-ish, and um, I mean, I can't sleep late. I mean, I don't get up at 4.30 on Saturday and Sunday morning, but but I get up at 6. And she's like, that ain't sleeping in, dude. I mean, it may be sleeping in for weirdos like you who have these jobs that <laughs> require them to be in a studio at 5, but that ain't sleeping in for the majority of Americans. Be quiet, get out of here, and let me sleep uh, this Saturday and Sunday morning. So anyway, um, she wakes up at about 8. Uh, what does the weather look like? It looks better than we anticipated. And then all of a sudden I said, holy crap. I just remembered I got to be in Darlington at noon to speak to a group about such and such. And the look on her eyes, because <laughs> we only had one vehicle. Oh. And because we'd ridden down there together. And the look on her eyes was like, you sorry, no gal, good for nothing. <laughs> and then it was April Fool, you know, and it's like, because uh, I'm famous, not famous. I do a lot of, um forgetting about things that sneak up on me and then we have to um so the concept didn't surprise her. It, no but then i said april fool okay we're good now um <laughs> speaking of weather it looks to me like that um holy week slash masters week is going to be um affected by bad weather um i'm not saying to wash out who knows it's wednesday these models that predict what the weather will be 100 years from now very often don't get what it's going to be like 72 hours from now right so we'll see how that works out uh, the Gamecocks play a big, big weekend series in the Southeastern Conference against number one LSU. Um, there was a little scuttlebutt yesterday about potentially playing a doubleheader on Thursday to get ahead of of the rain. Um, I think LSU may have nixed that and said, "No, you know, we'll let the weather sort the weather. We'll, we'll, we'll you know, we'll leave it as scheduled, and we'll see how how it works out." But it looks to me like there's a big chance of rain Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And if you're a big golf fan and you keep up with, uh, you know, the Masters Thursday, first round, Friday, Friday second, uh, Saturday, Sunday, third. Gamecocks did beat North Carolina last night in baseball. Uh, I'm about to be a believer. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, about. They're number six in the country. And, um, you know, they, they had that great run back in the early 2010s. And then they floundered a bit. Uh, Tanner left, became AD. And um, some things just have not been up to snuff, so to speak. But a win against North Carolina in the middle of the week after winning two of three in Starkville, after starting eight and one, number six. And I mean, that, that's at some point in time, you got to say, hey, uh, maybe they're back. Maybe they're legitimately uh, one of the elite teams in America. Uh, I guess here's here's what I'm famous for. We'll see. You know, we'll, let's wait and see. <laughs> so we'll see this weekend when they play um, LSU, number one LSU, weather permitting. Uh, we were talking to some Gamecock buddies yesterday about the nine games that they play consecutively in the SEC, three against LSU. I think they're number one in the country, 
three against Vanderbilt. They're like number three or four in the country. And then back home against Florida, and I think they're number five or six in the country, four or five in the country. So, um, you know, would you take four and five? And everybody said, I'd absolutely take five and four. I said, I know you would. That's why I didn't ask you, would you take five and four? Would you take four and five? Because you've already got ahead of the curve a bit, being eight and one in the SEC. Because 20 and 10, I'm telling the Gamecock fans, I mean, I know Clemson fans don't care, but 20 and 10 in the SEC, it will probably get you one of the super regional sites. I mean, one of the eight seeds that host a region and a super region, and that's a big deal. I mean, hosting the regional and then hosting the super regional. I mean, that's it's not punching your ticket Omaha. Don't get me wrong, but in the um in the odds making world, your, your odds certainly increase exponentially if you become uh, one of the eight teams that host the regional and um super regional. I get credit at times for being able to explain complicated matters in somewhat of a simple um state. That's because I'm a simple man. Um, I'm aptitudinally limited. I accept my um, limitations. I don't try to go places that I don't have at least an elementary understanding, some fundamental understanding of the issues. Very often uh, or very seldom do you see me kind of, you know, go off in a path that I know nothing about. I mean, I'm always steering the conversation back to my, once again, limited aptitude. And, um, And I got a lot of text yesterday afternoon about explaining you know, what happened yesterday exactly. Um, the best way I can explain it, and it goes back, and we've, we'll use several analogies this morning, as someone who has been victimized by campaign finance law and has um, kind of lived it in the first person, um, the 34-count indictment is almost like, I mean, it's a little bit different, but, but stick with me for a second. It's almost like if you got caught jaywalking and the charging agent wrote a, or included every step of the jaywalk in the subpoena, uh, excuse me, in the indicting document. In other words, I, it, I jaywalked. Okay, I jaywalked. I broke the law. No doubt about it. But 34 counts of jaywalk because it took you 34 steps to get across the street. That's kind of the way um, I understand this document. Um, and, and, and I'll give you the, the analogy. Um, but it all, it has everything to do with $130,000 payment to Stormy Daniels for a non-disclosure agreement. Uh, but that's the entirety of um, the uh, the indicting documents or there's some of the, um, uh, the, the the documents that accompany the arrest. I mean, there's some fancy legal language for that. But, um, I mean, statement of facts, I think, would be what some of us would call it. But, but so the entirety of the charge is about the $130,000 payment to Stormy Daniels for this non-disclosure agreement, which is a, I mean, which is legal. I mean, it's 100% legal to do that. Um, a non-disclosure, the 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 executing of a non-disclosure is 1,000% within the law. Happens every day. Some businessman today will sign a non-disclosure along with an accompanying female to keep some extramarital affair on the down low. I mean, that's just the nature of the world we live in. I'm sorry, guys. We don't live on a planet full of angels. Human beings make mistakes. Um, living gets messy. Uh, people who have money uh, are able to make things go away that, that have money. Um, so, so the payment was made. And here's the, um, once again, the, uh, the statement of fact. The payment was made to Lawyer A. That's Michael Cohen. Trump reimbursed Cohen using his own funds, his own money. Um, the 34 counts come from the fact that the agreement um, – Cohen got reimbursed by monthly 
um, invoices. In other words, Komen would send an invoice to Trump. Trump would pay out of a, um, a revocable trust. And each monthly bill from Cohen to the revocable trust got three counts of falsifying documents, one for the invoice, one for the ledger entry, and one for the check stub. So that's how we got to 34 counts. I mean, there's not 34 women. There's not 34 payments. There were monthly payments made from a revocable trust owned by Donald Trump, uh, managed by Donald Trump. It's his money. Um, Those, once again, were, I guess, wired, transferred. I don't know how they did that. Didn't go into specificity. But Cohen got reimbursed via the revocable trust. Three um, separate uh, activities happened every time there was a payment made. And once again, one for the invoice, one for the ledger entry, and one for the check stub. But I mean, that's pathetic as far as I'm concerned. And that's why I go back to the, um, did he jaywalk or not? Did he jaywalk 34 times? I mean, damn, maybe he does need to be taught a lesson. I mean, if he won't stop jaywalking, but but the charging documents basically said Trump jaywalked and we charged him for every step. Every single step on his way of jaywalking uh, was a was a criminal offense. Um, the indictment alleges that all of this was done, and here's Bragg's words, and this is pretty central to the debate, uh, with intent to defraud and intent to commit another crime and aid and conceal the commission thereof. But it never said what the other crime was. I mean, it never declared another crime. It never, I mean, it insinuates other crimes, but it's a, it's a statement of fact. And on the statement of fact, it says that, uh, once again, these are Bragg's words, not mine. With intent to defraud and intent to commit another crime and aid and conceal the commission thereof. I mean, that is verbatim in the statement of fact, but it never says what the other crime. The other crime has to be mandatory because the statute of limitations has run out on the New York State misdemeanor. But he doesn't say what the other crime is. I mean, as flimsy as we expected this to be, it's even flimsier. Um, Presumably, the second crime is going to be campaign finance violation. I mean, we imagine that's what to go. But but the, 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 you're talking about a reach, the payment to Daniels, to declare the payment to Daniels uh, violating campaign finance laws. I'll give you an example. Let's say you're running for lieutenant governor of South Carolina. And you don't have a lot of really nice clothes because you never needed a lot of really nice clothes. I mean, let's say hypothetically that the candidate that decides to run for lieutenant governor builds truck beds for a living. I mean, he goes to church. He's got a blue suit for church. He's got a black suit for funerals. Um, but the majority of his uh, wardrobe and attire consists of, um, you know, uh, steel-toed boots. Uh, you ready? Dungarees. <laughs> <laughs> um, T-shirts. You know, flannel shirts, uh, the, the, the occasional polo shirt, uh, maybe a muscle shirt or two. Um, but he goes out and he buys, you know, four or five new suits because he wants to gussy up and, and enhance his candidacy. And he uses money out of a campaign fund. Is that campaign related? I mean, of course it is. I mean, the, the guy would have never bought the suits had he not decided to run for office. So that's a valid expense. I mean, that's a valid. But is it all about, and is he breaking the law? And here's where it gets real interesting. So the guy takes campaign money and buys suits that he doesn't have, never needed, really didn't want. But all of a sudden, he's got to look a certain way uh, to um, to play in that world, and he buys three suits. And the suits are $500 each. I mean, he goes out and buys nice suits. 
So he's got $1,500 worth of suits that he never had, would have never needed had he not decided to run for, for public office. But he wears those suits to church. Mm. He's wearing a suit he paid for with campaign money to a non-campaign event. Is he breaking campaign? You see where I'm headed? Mm-hmm. I mean, the ambiguity here mm. is pathetic. I mean, it really and truly is. And I mean, if, if once again, the hypothetical candidate buys a suit and he pays for the suit with campaign dollars and he wears a suit campaigning five days a week, I mean, he's got that damn blue suit on. I mean, he wears it over and over and over again. I mean, he's well within his rights to declare that a campaign expense. But is he violating campaign finance law when he wears that suit to church? I mean, that's the insinuation Bragg is making. It is the flimsiest argument imaginable. Even those who want to see Trump buried under the jail have argued this morning and last night, this is a reach, man. I mean, this is a big, big, uh, big reach. And, uh, you know, I guess the question to ask yourself this morning is, um, do now there was a, a lot of narrative in the um in the statement of fact about the National Enquirer and this other woman, but it was for context. I mean, it had nothing to do with the indictment. I mean, the indictment does not relate to that woman. It was almost like, hey, he's slack to do this, and he was also slack to do that. Well, I mean, prosecutorial discretion is not to be abused. I, I said it last night, and I said it again, actually on a text of mine. You know, Trump ain't Jesus, but it's pretty damn easy to see who the Romans are. I saw that tweet. I mean, you know, it's Holy Week, so there's some irony here. And I would never compare a man or a mortal to Savior the world. I mean, if you're a Christian, you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He's Savior of the world. There, There is no way to compare another human being to Jesus Christ, as far as I'm concerned. But it's pretty easy to compare somebody to the Romans. Um, power, authority, money, influence. Guys, that's what all this uh, boils down to. And, um, you know, Trump flies back to Palm Beach last night. He gives, in my opinion, one of his uh, best speeches ever. I mean, I really believe that. He did not. Um, I mean, he focused on the the indicting document, but it was more about the um, just, just the issue of show me the man and I'll show you um, the crime. I believe there's legal peril for Bragg. I mean, I really and truly believe that um, I mean, there, there's a law. Well, there, I, there was a leak. I know that much. Well, I mean, it, it, but but I, I'm telling you, they're conspired to violate uh, a man's civil rights. Oh, okay. I mean, they, 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 there's a law. There's a clear law in the books that if you conspire to violate a man, no matter how much you love that man or hate that man or that woman, that, that if you conspire to violate that person's civil rights, then, um, and, and, I, and I guess part of that would be, uh, targeting a person for state action. I mean, Bragg is not a DA. Let's stop with that. I mean, he's a, he's a state elected official prosecuting a federal, I guess, campaign finance crime. I mean, he's far out of his lane, but he's a political activist. I mean, that's what he is. He's a political hack slash activist. He ran on going after I mean, Sure he did. And that's why I think there's a conspiracy charge here. Now, and I want to find out, is there a, I mean, it's real early. You ready? Is there a, a Republican, um, attorney general or district attorney with the balls to go after Bragg. Cause I'd do it. I mean, if I, 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 mean, hope I, there I, is. I would return the favor. We had a lot of discussion yesterday about fighting fire with fire. Um, who should the Republican prosecutors indict first? I think it's Bragg. Cause I think, I mean, once again, it, it's kind of a, um, it's far less testy 
than what he's trying. It's far less flimsy. In other words, if some DA or AG were to bring a charge against uh, uh, Bragg by saying that he violated President Trump's civil rights because the law prohibits targeting a man for state action, especially criminal prosecution, that is a much more, much clearer example of abuse of authority or abuse of prosecutorial discretion than um, going after Donald Trump. So there. I mean, I'm not a lawyer. I've tried to explain it the most simple way I can. I think you get the jaywalk analogy or comparison. Um, yeah, okay, the guy jaywalked. But did he jaywalk 34 times? No. He took 34 steps while he jaywalked, and that's what um, that's what Bragg decided to do. And, and as you would expect, the lurid context of the other woman that has absolutely nothing to do with the uh, potential crime. But, Rev, he didn't suggest, he didn't with any clarity at all say what the other crime was. Trust me, I guess is his yeah, wasn't he asked and said, sure. uh, I don't have to tell? I, I don't have to tell that. I mean, he states some statute, some New York state statute that, that allows him to charge a man with a crime but not tell them what the crime is. But the misdemeanor has clearly a statute of limitations here. And, and as a statement of fact, he'd have to include. I mean, it's nonsense, guys. It's craziness what we're allowing to happen in, in the most sacred government in the history of mankind. I mean, it really and truly, I mean, when you think about America, it really broke my heart yesterday to think that there are people celebrating. There are people joyous today that this hack, this activist has decided to pursue a man and not a crime. And if you're comfortable with that, uh, then you're just, you know, you're somebody who doesn't understand the concept of an America guided by its constitution. Let's go to the phone. We have Bob in Florence up first this morning. Hey, Bob. Hey, guys. Good morning. Um... Yeah, a, a, an observation and a, and a couple of quick comments. One, as I watched the proceedings yesterday, I was reminded of a of a quote from a Star Wars movie long ago. Um, uh, I think it was now it's called Star Wars Four: New Hope. It, at a point in the movie, uh, 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 Jedi Master Obi Wan Kenobi is in a lightsaber battle with the evil Darth Vader, and um, at a point in the battle, he uh, ceases to fight and looks at Darth Vader and says, uh, if you strike me down, I will become more powerful than you can imagine. And I think that's what happened yesterday. I think the Dems have pretty much handed the election to Trump with this, this obviously uh, absurd charge that even has got many Democrats just shaking their head. Uh, it, very, very disappointing to see that happen in this country. Uh, the, and the other, the other two observations have to do with the police. One was the obvious disrespect for a former president of the United States when he was being escorted through the courthouse. Two of the officers opened the door and let it slam in uh, Trump's face. Now that's total abject disrespect. I was shocked that a Secret Service agent didn't throttle him. Uh, it, it, uh, it was very apparent and, um, uh, um, it, that really disappointed me. Uh, the other thing about the cops, Ken, did you notice how fat they were? I did. Those, those are the fattest cops. They couldn't, <laughs> no wonder crime's out of control in New York city. They couldn't chase down a little old lady in a walker. My goodness. Um, uh, 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 cream donuts must be making donuts as fast as they can do it. They got the hot now sign going 
because those cats obviously um, don't have much else to do. Um, I, I hope that Trump, uh, when he gets reelected, I hope he uh, contacts, like, what is it, Norway owns Greenland? I, I'd love to see him uh, conclude the, the real estate deal and buy Greenland, and let's send all the greens there, and let's see how they fare. Y'all have a great day. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate that. A lot to chew on there. We'll take a break. Our first of the morning. Love to hear what you have to say. The day after a former president is arrested for the first time in this country's long history. Back in a minute. 843-661-0937. You got to give Bragg a little credit. He's a go-getting district attorney. He's tough on crime. He takes no nonsense from anybody. (laughs) He reduced 52% of all felony charges to misdemeanors. Um, <laughs> so, so he's prosecuting um, a misdemeanor. He's trying to shoot. Well, what do they call it? He's trying to um, basically connect. I mean, there's a word they use a lot in legal mumbo jumbo. He's trying to um, shoehorn one charge into another charge. Um, one is a misdemeanor, the other being a felony. So he's trying to um, to tie together these two crimes, charge Trump with a misdemeanor, that, that because of that misdemeanor led to an eventual felony, this is the same guy, same guy that has reduced over half of all the felony charges gone before his office to misdemeanors. And, and I'm serious. I mean, somebody's got to have the guts to do this. I'll give you my hand before God in heaven. If I were an AG or a district attorney, I would charge this morning brag with conspiracy who has to, the right to do that but a, i, I a don't know I mean, i'm not i'm not i'm New not York a lawyer I'm, I'm not a solicitor i don't understand how the legal system works i've never been involved i've never had a lot of trouble with the law i've had you know the only time i've ever stood before a judge rev was when i had my political you know misgivings and i walked out of a room in front of a judge and pled guilty to campaign finance violations and i can relate to the 34 charges because i had i think 109 and about 60 worse cups of coffee at Starbucks. You know, I, so I get it. I mean, I understand how these um, how these are written up. But but once again, for clarity's sake, and I want to do this multiple times today, because I, I think we can explain it this way. They're charging Trump with 34 counts of jaywalking because it took 34 steps for him to go across the street. There, there's not 34 crimes here by any stretch of the imagination. There were reimbursements in monthly invoices from Michael Cohen out of Donald Trump's revocable trust. So each monthly bill from Cohen, there was an invoice. Each monthly um, bill, there was a ledger entry. Each monthly bill, there was a check, check stub. So, so that's how you get to 34. And that's how you make it look salacious and like the guy's really a criminal. Every charge, every um, issue address of the statement of fact, is about the $130,000 Stormy Daniels non-disclosure agreement, which is 1,000% legal. Some man today with means will enter into a non-disclosure with some female about an, uh, maybe an extramarital affair, maybe not, maybe a consensual affair. He just doesn't, know, want, doesn't want anybody to know about it. That's completely and totally legal. So, so when you hear 34... Just think jaywalking, and they charged him for every step it took to get one from one side of the other, and that's the number 34, um, 843-661-0937. Now, his statement of fact also included this, uh, this narrative about the National Enquirer 
this other woman. I mean, there's no charge as a result of that. I mean, that's just context. I mean, that, those would be some of the lurid details <laughs> of the way Trump rolls or the way he lives his life. Um, no count of indictment relating um, to that alleged woman. Um, so which Democrat are the Republicans going after? I mean, the first would be Bragg, because I sincerely believe that he conspired to violate President Trump's civil rights. The, the law clearly, and I had a lawyer tell me this last night, the law clearly says um, you can't target a man for state action, especially for criminal prosecution. Let's go to the phone. Joe in Hartsville. Good morning. And the bad thing is I can't even count. That's the bad part. Uh, most of the charges he's got listed in January, February, March of 2017. Well, what was Trump doing in 2017? He was he was sitting in the Oval Office. The election had already occurred, so how could that interfere with the election? But it, it, it's sad when you have presidents of these South American countries make a statement of that the United States of America can no longer go abroad and declare democracy as a moral factor. That That's sad to me. But, you know, we've, we've had this since the beginning of the time. Even Isaiah said that the wicked are like a troubled sea that cannot rest, and its waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace for the wicked. And you notice Democrats are never happy. They're always agitated. They're aggravated about something. No matter what they get or how many concessions you give to them, they're never satisfied. So this is, this is strictly a, he needs to be prosecuted, this, uh, this DA, because when do they set the next trial? In December, that's right before Iowa. So that means the arraignment, and then they'll start the trial probably in January, February. And they know that all they need to do, because each of these counts carries four years. I, it won't get that far, but in in Manhattan, out of 34 counts, they could get a, a all, all they want is one conviction on 34 counts, and they get they get four years. It'll all be thrown out just like all these other ones, you know, but the damage would be done. So worry about it. Hang on for a nice ride because it uh, looks like they hired somebody way left of uh, the Chicago mayor they just kicked out. So these people don't learn nothing. You know, and, and I mean, it's kind of irony. I mean, it's, it's, it's just so interesting to me, all these things that are happening. But um, yesterday, Trump got um, awarded about $122,000 in legal fees. That brings the total. Stormy Daniels owns owes Donald Trump about $600,000 in attorney fee awarded in his favor um, in some of this litigation that, you know, Michael Avenatti got involved in. Now he's in jail for shaking down Nike, I think, to pay his bills. He, you know, lived a big shot and had a Ferrari and big office suites and all these other sorts of things. 
Uh, remember, he was the guy that was going to take Trump down. Oh, and, yeah. He's uh, a tough guy. He was going to be a Democrat president well, I mean, candidate. You know, I mean, I don't know that Stormy Daniels is making money as an adult film star. I don't have any idea where the status of her career in employment <laughs> is. But but she owes Donald Trump about six hundred grand in total um, reimbursement for legal fees as a result of this ongoing legislation. I mean, that's buried in the print. I mean, the media doesn't cover that because it doesn't feed into their narrative. And I think we've really got to struggle. I mean, I'm struggling a lot this morning. Why the animus toward Trump? I mean, Trump was somebody they liked. I mean, he was a New York City elitist. He was a business guy that had made some money. He was philanthropic toward certain liberal causes. I mean, nobody believes Donald Trump is the most conservative soul in America. Um, I mean, we, we joked around two Corinthians walking a bar. You know, I mean, that, that's, uh, remember when he said, yeah. <laughs> tried to quote scripture. So, so, and I'm not, I'm not judging a man's heart. I mean, I don't have any idea, uh, you know, what makes Trump tick. Don't, don't, but, but he was always accepted and appreciated in polite society. The ruling class uh, believed he was one of them until he steps out and becomes one of us. And there's punishment, there's retribution, that there, there's something that has to be done about a guy who could potentially upset the apple cart. And it goes back to my closing, my post-Celsius narrative yesterday, and I get real fiery about this because I don't think people believe what I'm selling. And it's not about Trump, guys. This is about money, influence, and power. And I do believe that there is a fair analogy to make about Holy Week and Jesus. I would never in a million years compare anybody to Jesus. But you're watching the Romans in action. I mean, you're watching the modern-day Romans do whatever it takes to get their way, to make sure that the house they built stays in place. And I'm not talking about $100 extra on your paycheck. I'm talking about, you know, I'm not talking about somebody putting 6% of your income in an IRA. I'm not talking about somebody paying half your health care. I mean, these are things normal people consider and deem important. I'm talking about a third house in the Hamptons with a helicopter paying. Or, or swapping in a 125-foot yacht for a 175-foot yacht. The only way those lifestyles are preserved is to maintain control of government. And they perceive Trump to be the first legitimate threat to that manipulation or distorting of government. That's what this is about. Please understand. Stop saying Trump reminds you of Jesus. Nobody is, is the Son of God. Nobody is Savior of the world except, if you're a Christian, Jesus Christ. But the Romans are on full display. Let's go to the phone. Larry in the PD. Good morning, Larry. Hey, I, I was going to answer your question. When did it all change between Trump and, and the establishment? And I believe it was when he built an ice skating rink. Do you remember that? Yep. He bailed it out, Larry. They were trying to build it and couldn't get it done, yep. and he kind of came in and bailed it out. See, that's when he took he, he stepped aside from the narrative that government is the answer to everything. And he and he said, No, government is slow and inefficient. I'm gonna show everybody and where where was that? In New York. How many union employees got the boot? How many local brotherhood of the plasterers and painters of America got pushed to the side for Trump? national employees probably trump international employees and they got shown up and i think that that was the beginning of when they they started to shrug him off because they realized he was not like them because uh he was he was actually a capitalist and i, I don't think they realized it until then they thought he was one of these cronies but he was just playing their game but when their game didn't work he played another game and uh, 
I think the, the word is not Christ-like. The word is persecuted, and he certainly has been persecuted. And I think we can all agree to that. Well said. Thanks, Larry. Appreciate that. Hadn't thought of that. That's kind of an interesting um, thought, an interesting angle to take. Um, Trump had an office that overlooked Central Park. And as he overlooked Central Park, he saw this skating rink, this ice skating rink. I mean, you know, I wouldn't say being built, but fail, you know, being failed to be built. I mean, it was yeah, not, not being built. Yeah, not being built. There you go, because of a lot of labor union disputes and, you know, hourly wages and all of these other sorts of things that were involved in, I would imagine, typical business doing or dealings in New York. And Trump said, I mean, why can't we build? But the things should happen in six weeks and cost, you know, a third of the money it's costing. And he jumped in, bailed it out. Larry's probably right. I mean, there, there probably was a, um, a lot of offended people because Trump did show um, an affinity to capitalism. And for a long time, he was one of them. And then he became, I don't want to say one of us. I don't think he'll ever be one of us. I mean, how many of you have a private jet? But he is a, I mean, he's a warrior for us. I mean, there are a lot of us and us are varying. I mean, us, us living mobile homes, us living in nice houses, but, but us don't have the government rigged. Us doesn't have the government in our hip pocket. You know, um, Tucker makes the argument that the problem with Trump well, is, is the neoconservatives, that, that it is as simple as that. Don't try to complicate it any more than that. Trump is not a neocon. Speak, Trump has spoken openly and candidly against neoconservatism, and neoconservatism drives and historically has driven the Republican train. Uh, fundraising, you know, donors, political action committees, um, getting people elected, grooming candidates who fall in line with a neoconservative American imperialist narrative. So Tucker believes, now I don't know that I buy that, but, but Tucker believes this is not real complicated. I mean, this is a guy that said basically to hell with the neoconservative Republican Party. Why do we have to intervene in the affairs of Ukraine and Russia and, and, and Iraq and Afghanistan and Iran? Why can't we secure our southern border and then and, and take care of the American people and American interests. I mean, Tucker believes it's as simple as that. And there is so much to lose if neoconservatism fails within the Republican Party. Not for you and I, but, but for defense contractors and politicians and political action committees and consultants and lobbyists. And I'm not talking about 6% on an IRA, guys. I'm talking about another house in the Hamptons, a yacht with, with a helipad. On the front, that's I mean that's the kind of wealth that influence and power and authority I'm talking about. Um, I'm talking about the Romans. Take a break, and, and they're going to fight to keep their well, I mean, deal. They're, 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 are they? You think <laughs> we just arrested a president? I know for the first time in American history. Back in a minute. It's kind of interesting when Republicans say, "I'm tired of the chaos." I mean that's why I'm not voting for Trump. I'm tired of the chaos. DeSantis is a reasonable replacement. You know we can still stand against the leftist onslaught in pursuit of controlling. And government and the American mind. I mean, I, I'm not running for office. I don't want to sound like a campaign spill here, but I mean, that's what this is all about. You know, control, power, influence, having the ability to lead the country in one direction or another. Trump's the bull in the, in the, in the China shop and, um, and they see him uh, as being a difficult barrier to, to get through. But, but, but when you really brought I me mean, and I want to get to Megan Kelly and I want to get to, um, I'm in a New York times reporter actually challenged the black lesbian yesterday about, you know, um, why do we always talk about January 6th when they're impending investigations, but, but the, uh, the, the White House has taken the stance that we're not going to talk about this because this, and, and she says, well, one's important and the other's not. So arresting an American president for the first time in American history is not important. Well, it's not to them. I mean, it's not to them because it's part of the end game. They, they, they have a burning desire, not to the Constitution, 
not to the American way of life. They want to control the American government. They believe they're entitled to control the American government. It's not about the Constitution. It's not about the Declaration of Independence. It's not about the Bill of Rights. It's not about the Civil War. This is simply about a group of people who believe that they are best uh, equipped, qualified to, to be in control of the ever-growing and almighty levers uh, of government. That That is a scary proposition when you really try to break it down. And for those Republicans, and I'm speaking to you, kind of the um the never Trump Republican, and you say, well, man, the, I mean, I, I don't disagree with his policies, and to some degree, I kind of like, uh, you know, the forcefulness of which he goes about the business. I'm tired of the chaos. I mean, I'm tired of the chaos. I'm worn out of the chaos. How much chaos was caused by Donald Trump yesterday? I mean, the streets of New York were, were shuttered. The every camera in America, every camera in the world, were pointing at. Trump Tower, and then a courthouse in New York City. How much of that chaos is Trump responsible for? We've got a, a statement of fact that says there were 34 charges relating to a non-disclosure agreement. So a rich guy pays a woman to be quiet about an affair they may or may not have. Completely and totally legal. Trump has a revocable trust. That revocable trust reimburses his lawyer. As part of that reimbursement, there is a paper trail. You get um, an invoice. You get a ledger entry. You get one for a check stub. It's pathetic what they've done, but this is where we are as Americans. But for you never Trumpers, for you Republicans who say, man, I kind of like the Trump policies. I just don't want the chaos. How much of that chaos yesterday is Donald Trump responsible for? The Democrats or the, or the chaos creators. Bragg is the chaos creator, um, but the media has convinced some of you Republicans, and you should be ashamed of yourself. If you've allowed the media to convince you that the reason we had chaos yesterday in Washington, New York, and Palm Beach is because of Donald Trump, there is nothing Donald Trump did to bring about any degree of chaos yesterday. It was all about Democrats. It's all about the establishment. It's all about the ruling class. But yet, some of you Republicans will say, I'm taking a pass on Trump because he brings about too much chaos. No, he brings a willingness to stand his ground. He brings a willingness to fight the machine. And if you're going to fight a machine and not believe chaos ensues, then move to Finland. They just joined NATO. They'd probably be your cup of tea. Let's go to the phone. George in Florence. Good morning, George. Morning. Hey, Ken. Uh, what's the difference between our congressional guys and Trump and paying off? their affairs when Trump used his money and they used money that they established in a special fund that they stole the tax dollars from us from. I'll leave you alone. Thank you. But the, the allegation is he declared it a business expense, that the classifying of a business expense, that's a misdemeanor. There's a statute of limitations that apply to that. Um, we have exceeded the statute of limitations. So, 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 and I'm going back to Bragg's words, not mine. With intent to defraud and intent to commit another crime and add a conceal the commission thereof. He never says what the other crime is. The, the other crime is mandatory if we're going to have an indicting document because falsifying a business record, which is what he's been accused of under New York law, is a misdemeanor on which the statute of limitation has run. So we're presuming 
Once again, now, we got the indicting document. We got the statement of fact, and we're still making a presumption of what the, the other crime is. It's bizarre. It's absurd. But, but some of you out there want Trump gone, and you're willing to buy and believe anything that comes down the pike, and you should be ashamed of yourself. I mean, it's, I, I love the people that say, well, I mean, Trump is a threat to American democracy. I mean, the biggest threat in my lifetime to American democracy happened yesterday. And that is we took a former president and we, 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 it's kind of a flimsy misdemeanor, to be honest. I mean, can you or can you not enter a non-disclosure? Yeah. Can you classify that as a business expense? Um, there, there's some gray there. There's some ambiguity there. But we're going to indict and arrest a president for the first time in American history on that? I mean, not manslaughter, not child abuse, not, not some reckless homicide. On, 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 on something as flimsy as that. And then once again, Rev, we've got the information now. We waited on the indicting document, the statement of fact. We've got it now. And we still don't know what, what the other crime, what, what the felony is. And yesterday, Bragg said, who's a racist DA, Bragg said, we don't have to tell you that. We don't have, I mean, think about this, guys. 330 Americans love Trump, hate Trump. He's our president. And a, and, a, and a state district attorney says, we don't have to tell you that. And the New York Times runs interference. And CNN runs interference. Damn them all. Let's go to the phone. Here's Breeze. Good morning. You know, these never Trumpers, kid. They're bigger. They're, they're, one of the, they're, they're, probably, they're probably a bigger enemy than even the, the fascist uh, Democrats. But let's, uh, let's be clear about this, too. Bragg hadn't indicted anybody. I mean, don't think for one second that that guy did all of this. He was just sitting there in his, uh, in his old, uh, office one day and decided he was going to do this on his own. All it would have taken is one call from a Barack Obama. Um, you know, Barack Obama could have had his secretary call us and said, hey, uh, President Obama said to stop this, and he'd have stopped it. Anybody... Anybody in power is going to stop this. So don't think that this is Bragg's doing. You know, you can say he's going to be he's going to be the patsy, but 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 it is, there are bigger forces at work here too. Don't 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 say that. And there are and there are a lot of these Republicans that pretend to be our friends that are saying, "Oh, this is an outrage." Lindsey Graham comes to mind immediately. That pretend to be one of us, they are not. They are not. And, uh, and I'll tell you another thing. But this, what Trump has really done again is he's not, he has exposed how the pathetic comedy that the United States government is. All of it. Everybody from the House, the Senate, the judicial branch, every branch of our government is a pathetic, comedic tra- tragedy. He's exposing all of them. And this whole thing just sits there and makes us look so, I mean, it just, we're look, I'm looking at it from where I'm respected, and I say, you know what, I hate them all. I hate them all. Again, going back to that whole thing about loving your fellow man, boy, I'm having a real hard time of that. And, and, you know, now, how can we sit there and talk about, with a straight face, we're not going to intervene in another country's business for the sake of democracy? We have done nothing. What we're doing is no different than every communist dictatorship, Nazi regime, or any other thing around the world 
has done for a thousand years. Where we we always have been and always will be just as pathetic as the rest of these sorry bastards all over the world. Our government is the crap, and it's just just like every other government. We always thought we were the good guys, and we've been and we've been made to be a bunch of suckers. We aren't the good guys. Our government is just as bad as all the rest of them, and Trump has exposed all of them for being that. And 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 you know what? Good. And the next thing they ought to do, I wish they would. They they need to. They could. They, they could easily sign another thousand indictments right now, and then they prosecute all of these people in government, and then turn around and prosecute themselves because it's the corrupt prosecuted the corrupt, and the corrupt prosecuted the corrupt. They're they're all scumbags. Thank you, Breeze. Appreciate it. Comedic comedic absurdity that has become our, our federal government. I don't know that I disagree with that. And I was thinking about this last night. I uh, wrote some notes to myself preparing for the show. You know, someone yelled at um at President Biden yesterday uh, for comment commentary on uh, what happened with Trump. And the I mean, I'm thinking about the you know the most powerful nation on the planet and the leader of the free world and the squint is in, in his eyes and, and the way he walked. He barely could get over there, but he kind of leans in like a hundred year old man. With all due respect to hundred year old men, but he's got this squint in his eyes. He's got this look of confusion. And he shuffles his feet as he kind of walks over to where the reporters, the gaggle of reporters were. And I'm thinking to myself, wow. I mean, have we, have we been reduced to this? Yeah. I mean, we absolutely have. So for you out there who said stop with the America in decline, I mean, I'm in the right line. I mean, I'll assure you that. I'm in the right line. Now, now Breeze refers to the government as, and I, I, I may steal that, comedic um, absurdity. And that's what we are. I mean, we're a nation that elected a guy who's in serious cognitive decline, and we have a chance to elect him again four years older, and damn, we might, I mean, we may do it again. I mean, the, the absurdity of that, when you really think about the seriousness of the American people, the competency of its government, and, and we call ourselves the preeminent superpower, I mean, we're living on borrowed time here, guys, and it just dawned on me yesterday. I mean, I've talked a lot about it. You guys have gotten frustrated when I say these things about American decline. But, but you know, President Obama is leader of the free world. I mean, he would probably arguably, arguably be the most powerful man on the planet. And when a reporter asked him a question yesterday, he turns around like he has no coherence, no comprehension. And he's got this squint in his eyes. And he kind of walks over and he's shuffling. I mean, you know the shuffle I'm talking about, Reb. I mean, it, it's oh, yeah. it, it's a um. I mean, it's it's a little bit spooky the way he moves around. We, we've got a tape from last week where he's being escorted out to an event, and he says, "Hey, we're going to walk to the red tape, and then we'll turn back to the blue." So he finally gets to his mark where they basically placed him, and he looks off in a direction that nobody's there. I mean, everybody else is staring due north. And he's staring due west, and he's the only one staring due west. And you're thinking to yourself, "Wow, really?" I mean, it is. I mean, it, there's no question. It is a comedic tragedy the, and the absurdity where he's shaking hands with the air with yeah, no I one. Mean, but but you know, we're 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 told that Trump is chaotic and Trump is dangerous. Yeah. Well, I can tell you what Trump was yesterday. I mean, back in Palm Beach, he was a very focused man and had absolute command of the facts absolute command of the issues he did not talk primarily about the racist district attorney in new york city he talked more about um this um this left-wing deception 
that began with Russia collusion, and then it went to Ukraine, and then it went to, I mean, it's just been one hoax after another. Let's be honest. But I'm talking to the Republican voter who wants to pass on Trump because he brings about too much chaos. Tell me what Trump did yesterday to contribute to that chaos. I can tell you what he did. He entered into a non-disclosure with, with a female that said he had an affair to, to keep it off the record. Many, many people do that, have done that, will do that. Again, it's not a crime. But but a racist and politically motivated district attorney has been, and I think Breeze is right here, has been convinced that is in his political best interests to seek and destroy Donald Trump uh, under any circumstance imaginable. Let's go to the phone. Mike in Darlington, good morning. Hey, uh, good morning. Uh, I've actually had to sign a non-disclosure agreement uh, to uh, get a job at one time. And uh, so that, you know, it depends on what it's used for and everything. But this is all, this is prosecution on basically a clerical uh, indiscretion or whatever. And it's just beyond belief. But I, I think these people aren't uh tragic they're pathetic they're they're truly pathetic and uh, i know you don't like to hear this too much ken but uh, uh when i was going to school i took a couple of uh courses in uh english literature and uh the uh and uh it wouldn't hurt people to read Macbeth or uh, king lear or uh, one, or maybe one of the old sagas like Beowulf, and see how things work out, and see who, if you could find any modern characters in those uh, classics. But uh, yeah, that we may not have time. We may not have time to go work through this. We need to get out there and try to get the votes together in these swing states and get Rona McDaniel off her plump butt and uh, get those, get those uh, people mobilized to harvest ballots because that's what it's going to take, early voting and harvesting ballots in those states because that's the rules have changed. Hold on to that. Let's take a break. I want to come back after the break. Hey, I'll, I'll, don't come back to me. I want to come back to Megan Kelly. I mean, Megan Kelly has a, um, I think, a serious XM a talk show. Uh, she made a lot of money to fail at a job. <laughs> Remember when she signed with NBC yeah, and got paid a Fox buttload of money yeah, and got paid a buttload of money. Show didn't work. She gets her money so she can um, do as she pleases now. But she had um, former DNI director um, Rick Grinnell, I think's his name. Uh, but she says, "Hey, we've um, I mean, we've crossed the Rubicon. No question about that." Take a break. Back with Megan Kelly in just a minute. Patton, the courthouse seems so surreal. Wow, they are going to arrest me. Can't believe this is happening in America. Make America great again. I read this and I feel sad. I feel sad for our country. I sat there at that presidential debate in August of 15 and I threw A plus level questions at Trump and the others because that's my job as a member of the media. Trump didn't like some of them. Some of the others didn't like some of them, but that's how you raise contentious issues with candidates and let them show the country whether they're up to the job. Then the people decide. That's our process. This, what's happening to him by people who are angry about his popularity with Americans right now, angry that he was elected in the first place, is un-American. 
This is, we really have crossed an ethical, legal, historical, foundational line that is a before and after moment for America, Rick. It's a red alert. It is a red alert for this country. And I, I am saddened to think about what has now happened. Um, this is a Pandora's box. We will never, ever be able to go back. Um, I fear what uh, future conservative Republicans are going to do to get back at them. I fear that. I, I think that we're in this situation where we're delving to the bottom. Where are the Democrat thoughtful leaders? Why are they not stopping this? Why are they not rising up? They are literally afraid of the ruling party. And let's be honest, it, Joe Biden is that figurehead. He's like the puppet. But the people behind him that are doing this are the comfortable ones, are the ones who are not getting media scrutiny, who have big jobs, big power. They made a lot of money after Obama's. Uh, you know, they went on Netflix boards and, and media boards and made millions and millions of dollars. Now they're behind the scenes and they're crafting all of this stuff. This is un-American. And I, I just say, you know, for all these people who want to say, oh, I don't like the mean tweets, you're going to lose your country if you do not realize what's happening. And that's why I've been very upfront and, and I've been candid about saying that I think Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis and others should immediately drop out. They should recognize what's happening in, in our country. This is not a normal situation. Um, and by the way, I, I say that um, I think Ron DeSantis has done a good job as governor, but it's the governor of Florida. Um, he's He's not been in Washington, D.C. I did not agree with him when he said, well, I haven't had any leaks in Tallahassee, so that means the bureaucracy really is going to like me. Um, that, that's naive. Uh, when you go to Washington, D.C., it's a different game. Um, mm. I, I'm just not so sure that he's ready yet. He needs more time. Um, and, you know, the other thing, I like Charles Cook. I was listening uh, beforehand. I like him. I respect him a lot, but I, I haven't seen him out on the campaign trail in all of these swing states listening to voters. And if there's one thing that Rick Rennell knows, it's the swing state voters. I've been all over constantly paying my own uh, way to go and listen and go to all these rallies and help our candidates on the, on the right. And I have to say that um, there is no question in my mind Donald Trump is the nominee. Uh, you just have to talk to regular voters. You don't have to talk to uh, blue, mark, blue check marks on Twitter. That's a whole different mm -hmm. conversation. But the people who are showing up and calling uh, in every single county across this country, the activists, there is no possible way they are going for anyone other than Donald Trump. He's mm, one you know, I said, I said uh, to that, I said to the National Review crowd last week, Rick, I said, don't let, because this is, they're more DeSantis, you know, backing, as you know, they're not big Trump fans over at NR. And uh, I yeah. said, you, you guys should not let the fact that you are done with Trump blind you to the reality that the country may not be. You know, you have to keep an open mind. We're in the midst of a presidential race. And yes, DeSantis yeah. hasn't declared. We all know he's likely to. So, I mean, of course he has to be factored in, but- I'm not sure. The, what, what, I'm not sure he's actually Yeah, you think run. he might not? Uh, I, I... That's just kind of an interesting take from Megyn Kelly, who is no Trump sympathizer yeah. at all. I mean, she thinks we crossed the Rubicon. She thinks there's a foundational difference today in America than there were were previously. And her guest was Rick Grinnell. Yeah, and, was, and, and, yeah. And, and you know, I mean, 
Grinnell's a Trumpster. I mean, there's yeah. no denying that. But but I, I want to say this, and then we'll get to our guest. That there's something that we have to do as conservative media. I mean, Megyn Kelly is not conservative media. Uh, she would probably lean to the right, but she's not. She's damn sure not the New York Times or Washington Post, but she's not conservative media. I am a small player in conservative media, and and I have an obligation to convince people. Now, I'm not going to try to insist or require you to vote for one candidate over the other. That is your choice. You deserve uh, the right to make that decision on your own or at your own uh, volition. I mean, I ran for office with Nikki Haley. I know Nikki fairly well. I had a front row seat watching Nikki go from a second or third tier candidate to Sarah Paling endorsing on the steps of the South Carolina State House in 2009, um, 2010. I'm sorry, 2010. So, so I am well aware of her political ambitions, political power, uh, prowess. I understand what DeSantis has done in Florida. But I think we're at a pivotal moment in American history. Are we or are we not going to try to salvage sanity within our government? And I go back to what I said yesterday, Reb. Trump is a chaos candidate. There is no question about that. He brings about disruption and chaos. He's a bull in a china shop. He does things that leave you scratching your head. I don't care how ardent and hardened a supporter you are. But there's nothing Trump did yesterday to bring about that chaos. That is leftist America. I mean, that is the establishment ruling class that led us down that road of trying to find a man and make him a criminal. I'm sorry. I mean, I read the indictment. I've read the statement of fact. I've talked to several lawyers who know far more about legalities than I do. That is a very, very flimsy charge. So when the cameras and chaos ensued yesterday in Palm Beach, in New York, in our nation's capital, and 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 the, the the independent voter says, "Well, there's that Trump chaos again." I mean, that that K, Trump is a victim of that chaos. And and I want to go back to what my 20 year old college student said to me yesterday, and this was interesting to me. She watched the speech and she said, "Dad, he looked more focused than I've ever seen him." Because Trump can get out of focus if you aren't careful. But I, I do. I mean, I'm with Megyn Kelly. I think there's a foundational difference today in American politics than there was um, yesterday. We have with us a special guest, John Pudner. John is president of Take Back Action Fund, uh, worked as a Bush 2000 aide, the only person in U.S. history to run a campaign defeating a majority leader in a primary. John, good morning. How are you? Good morning. And I got to add, since you mentioned Rick Grinnell, he was our first communications director. So he's gone way beyond me now, but Grinnell got us going to take back our public action. Well, John, what do you make of yesterday? Well, he, I think the key, I'm always looking for, you know, what do Americans think of something? And what I'd say is, you know, there's a little majority that thinks Trump did something wrong. Probably majority thinks most business people do something wrong, politicians. But 60% think these charges are based on politics, not a legal basis. And that's what I think Trump really has going for him on this. And so from there, you know, you expect what you saw last night, a, a political rally. You've got to convey moral outrage, obviously, um, that this is done. And, you know, the Democrats clearly have the calculus. This helps them become the nominee. So we're picking our opponent, but it hurts them in the general. I think everyone agrees on the first part. We, we just got to see if the second part plays out or this doesn't actually help him, you know, be, win a general election, too. We'll see. John, when does it stop becoming politics and, and, and fundamentally changes the framework of our nation? Yeah, I, I, I certainly think we're already there. I, I, I mean, my gosh. And, you know, the average American is not going to think that there's going to be a fair 
jury pool or anything else coming out of New York regarding Trump. And that's the problem, you know, is you're supposed to be judged by your peers and you're supposed to find the ones that are open-minded in the jury pool. I mean, I just don't see how you do that. So, you know, to, to go to this venue, um, I, I think we're past the point and the precedent. I mean, the idea that there's no jury, out, no county out there that would like to indict Joe Biden when he's done. I mean, I mean, the precedent here. Now, I understand legally it depends where things happen. But at the same time, I, I think we're way past the line right now. We've had a debate on this show for a week or so, knowing this was going to happen inevitably. That, that is time to fight fire with fire. The Republicans have historically not played as dirty as Democrats in weaponizing government and going after um, certain individuals. Is it time to do that? Well, I won't be the one to say that, but I just can't believe the Democrats aren't thinking that through. I mean, if you're an elected official right now and, you know, you see these kind of hits and they've happened at the state level all over the place, don't you at some point be if – Gosh, if I'm going to condone this, um, doesn't it justify someone coming after me? Is there nothing I've done in my past that a Republican prosecutor might want to take a shot at? So seems a dangerous game. The threat would it seem, it seem implicit to me. I mean, I know we've got DeSantis out. My last question of you would be, um, I mean, I, I've been very reluctant. I was on the 2020 Trump Steering Committee in South Carolina. I passed when asked to, re- to sign up again because I wanted to wait and let some things play itself out. I am as close as I've been to signing back up to be a part of this. I mean, how do you think the general public um, treat Trump after the events of yesterday? Yeah, I think they just keep, come back to that earlier figure. I said 60 percent think politically motivated. Well, that obviously entails almost every Republican in the world <laughs> being a primary. So, um, yeah, I, and, and I think, um, you know, Trump was – I think probably dead politically. I just, I don't, I just think he had a ceiling and, you know, why throw a wild card in? If I'm just a Democrat strategist, why do something like this that you don't know what direction will go in? Even if you're just not sure, you know, do you revive him when, yeah, I thought he was going to probably be a few points short of, of winning a general in the future. And and now who knows? I mean, you've, you've created sympathy. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, you're a guy in the game, but what, what strategy would, would you give advice? I mean, what, what advice would you give to president Trump? in seeking the support of independence. I mean, he did seem to be, my, my daughter said he seemed to be more focused last night than, than normal. I mean, is that is that the modus operandi moving forward to, to get independence back in his camp? Yes. I mean, he's still got, independence. do not like the stop the steal talk, and they don't like January 6th. So those are the two things he's coming over. The more he looks like the victim now, and, you know, legitimate victim, um, the better. And the more he says just what you said, is this the end of American justice? You know, those are compelling things that can flip them back the other way. So I think it's the first time he's had an issue that could overcome the two previous things, which is where he's not popular with independence right now and those other two. Very well explained. John, thank you for your time. Appreciate you joining us, sir. Thank you always. Bye-bye. And and that 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 I mean that's kind of where I am. I mean once again, I am a member of conservative media. I'm not I mean Limbaugh's dead. Um I'm not Hannity, I'm not Bongino, I'm not Clay Travis, I'm not Tucker Carlson, I'm not Megan Kelly. I mean Megan would deny I'm not a member of conservative media, but if you're not, you know, on the left, then they would consider you to be conservative. In other words, the New York Times would call Megan Kelly a part of conservative media because she hosts a primetime show on Fox News. I mean, what, what what is expected of us? I mean, I was thinking about that writing over this morning. I've never thought this job, um, you know, was, uh, I mean, it's entertaining. We, we had somebody take a shot at our listeners yesterday. Uh, a guy who said he votes Democrat, he said, it's obvious not, uh, you know, it's not obvious you're not an educator. 
uh, because your callers uh, very often mm. lack the uh, the mental capacity to well, make you uh, valid some, points. You receive some criticism for for seeming to be a little too pro DeSantis at this point, even though DeSantis hasn't well, I mean, run. What, and you receive some criticism for that, and I detect a little bit of change. Well, I mean, pro DeSantis would be fair. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I want to win in in um in, in Jan- I mean, in November. I mean, I want to win in November 2024. Yep. I don't want to lose to an to, to an 82 year old demented old man. I mean, I just don't. I mean, I, that, that that's embarrassing. I mean, if the Republican Party loses to an 82-year-old man with dementia, I mean, you know, let, let's close ship. I mean, let, let's pee on the fire and call the dogs. The hunt's over. I mean, let's find something else, something else to do. But, but, so, so I began evaluating. I mean, when asked, and I mean, I'll tell you, I mean, I don't think he'd mind this. I mean, Russell asked me. I mean, Russell owes Trump a great debt of gratitude in, you know, his support. Tom Rice voted, uh, votes to impeach. Um, Russell decides to be the one who who runs. He wins with the Trump endorsement. And Russell reached out to me and asked me, I say, uh, you were with us in 20. Will you be with us again in 24? Well, in 20, it's a no-brainer. I mean, there, there's not a primary. I mean, I'm a Republican, and, and I want to support the Republican candidate. So I was enthusiastically in support of Donald Trump in 2020. But, but you know, it didn't work out. 75 million votes. We can argue about how a man with dementia got 81 million, but he did. You know, I, I, I think I've explained it fairly accurately. He stole it fair and square, or they stole it fair and square, private financing of campaigns, unsolicited mail-in ballots, uh, you know, uh, ballot harvesting. We've, we've had a lot of conversations about that. But, yeah, I mean, my pro-DeSantis stance would have been believing or questioning whether Trump could win over independence. And it's about January 6th. I mean, John's exactly right. I've looked at the data. I've looked at the polling, and, and, and Trump, got hurt bad with independence on January 6th. Whether he incited an insurrection or not, I think I said he peddled fantasy, and he basically threw Mike Pence under under the bus at a time that Pence didn't deserve to be thrown under the bus. That was a fundamental mistake in Donald Trump's political career. I mean, it was a, a, a black mark on American history, and I wish it had never happened. But more than, or, or aside of that, not more than that, but aside of that, it hurt Trump. I mean, politically, no question about it. So when DeSantis decides to run, now I'll tell you this. I mean, I'm on the record. If it's if it's Haley and Trump, I'm Trump. I mean, if it's Pence and Trump, I'm Trump. I mean, it, Ramaswamy interests me a lot. I mean, he's been a very um, enthusiastic and engaging candidate about ideas that I think the Republican Party needs to focus on. But but I wait on DeSantis because DeSantis has shown some of the qualities and characteristics of Trump. I'm not saying he's a Trump incarnation. He's not. He's certainly not. Um, there's only one Donald Trump. I mean, he's a political unicorn. But DeSantis does have a track record uh, of pushing back against government. That's a big deal to me. Will they or will they not push back and, and put back in its place a corrupt and out of control government? I mean, that, that's one of the criteria that I'm looking for in any candidate running for any office. So, so yeah, Rev, I've been probably more pro-DeSantis than, than pro-Trump, but but something happened yesterday, and, and I just feel like we've got to circle the wagons. We, we've got to rally the troops, and I'm not saying don't give DeSantis a fair shake. I'm not saying, um, you know, let, let, let one day in history decide who your, where your political proclivities lie and who your support uh, is, is beholden, or excuse me, who, who deserves to get your support as a, uh, as a voter, but, but something happened yesterday. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, it, this is not a political dirty trick. I mean, this is abuse of prosecutorial discretion. 
and it must be dealt with in some way, shape, or form. We've had several people calling this morning and text me saying that, you know, some of these DAs and AGs have immunity. I mean, they can kind of do what they want to do. Uh, the government is protected from lawsuits in certain ways, and, and, and that's the narrative to me. And, 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 I'll, and I go back to Trump, and can Trump or, or not? I mean, if, if Trump were to, to say today to me that if given the chance, I'll tell you, if, if Trump announced today that on day one I'm firing 35,000 federal workers, where's my MAGA hat? <laughs> but, but he's not said that yet. And, and, and despite all of his um, accomplishments of the way he, you know, ran and won the office, he'd hired John Bolton. I mean, he did a lot of things that I'm scratching my head and said, hey, man, we, we elected you to disrupt, to change, to not allow the status quo to conduct business as usual. And you hired John Bolton to advise you on foreign policy? What's up with that? Now, I'd love for Trump to, to tell me and our listeners and the voters, what are the four mistakes I made, the things I should have done that I didn't do? But if Donald Trump told me today that in week one, I'm firing 35,000 government workers. I had the executive authority to change some of the laws written to protect just workers who aren't any good. I mean, they don't know what they're doing. They shouldn't be in the bowels of government. They shouldn't be as important in bureaucracies as they are. I'd be on the Trump train. But DeSantis kind of has a record of, of successfully confronting government, confronting big business, not being afraid to go toe-to-toe with Disney. I mean, what other Florida governor would even think about that? So I think, this, you know, DeSantis deserves some consideration. Yeah, I mean, it would be wonderful if those two could sit down and come to an agreement. Hey, Donald, I got your back this time, but I want you to hand the baton to me for the next two terms. I mean, you know, if I were king of the world, that, that's what I would want. That would be my desire for, for DeSantis to be the VP. Trump run this time do these radically transformative things or transformative things and then pass the baton to um to DeSantis and let DeSantis get to work with J.D. Vance, with Josh Hawley, with Rand Paul and fundamentally transform Washington into a government that is subservient and serving to the people that vote them into office. I have a burning desire for that to happen. And it looks to me right now the the um the disruption needs to ensue the 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 chaos probably ain't bad at this moment in time um but 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 trump's got to address some of these things he's guilty of why did he keep fauci i mean those those are questions and i think trump could really gain the support of you know a little bit a little bit suspicious republicans and some independents take a break Back in a minute. You know, today is a pretty emotional day. Some people express their emotions loudly and proudly. Others are a little more cerebral and reserved. But at the end of the day, emotions don't win nor lose elections. I mean, they, yeah, they frame debates and they, 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 they characterize, you know, candidates and their campaigns. I mean, there's no doubt an emotionless campaign is not going to win. But, but I've said it a hundred times and I'll say it 101. Politics comes down to math. I mean, elections come down to math. And I think John said something interesting in the last hour, and I'm talking about John Pudner, our guest, when he said that he always felt Trump came up a couple or three points short in a general. I mean, that's kind of where I landed. I mean, I looked at enough data. I've talked to Kahaley. I've I've read some other pollsters. uh, There's kind of a narrative out there that Trump is a dominant force 
unlike any we've seen in a long time in one political party. I mean, there is no doubt about it. He is a monster in the Republican Party. I mean, he may be a bit diminished. I think yesterday enhanced his value in the GOP. But does that translate to support of independents? Does that translate to support of not moderate Republicans, but never Trumpers? I mean, there, there's ne- there, there are any never Bidens in the Democrat Party. There were there, I mean, there, there are those who believe Biden's too old. They think he's got some issues, but they're going to bite their, you know, kind of bite their tongue and vote for Joe Biden because he, he's a Democrat. So, so I'm emotional. I'm emotionally invested. I'll admit that. I mean, I've gone from being angry and, and you know, uh, vengeful to being sad and, and nervous. I mean, there are a lot of things that kick when something as monumental as what happened yesterday happens. But don't lose sight of the reality. And the reality is the person with the most electoral college votes gets to be president. That's the way it is. You may not like that the people of Philadelphia have more influence over a national election than you do, but they do. You may not like that the people in the suburbs of Cincinnati and Cleveland have more influence on presidential elections than you and I do. We do. Trump or DeSantis is going to win South Carolina. Can they win Pennsylvania? Can they win Michigan? Can they win Nevada? Can they win Georgia? Can they win Arizona? That's the question that matters most. So, so check your emotions for just a half second. I mean, it's hard to do. I get it. They're after your guy. And you feel like he's being persecuted in a way politicians aren't normally persecuted. I believe that. But at the end of the day, two plus two equals four. Ohio, Pennsylvania, Nevada. Arizona, Georgia are going to decide who the next president is. Does this help or not Trump's chances of being successful with independent voters in those states? We got to remind ourselves that in the grand scheme of things, that's what matters, right? I mean, you, you know, your emotionally invested vote counts no more than somebody who watches Seinfeld 364 days a year, shows up on election day and votes for candidate X or Y. I mean, that's just the way it is. Uh, it's not weighted voting. It's it's one man, one vote. 843-661-0937. Let's go to the phone. Jeff in Florence. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, Jeff. Yeah. Hey. Um, you know, I've, I've listened the last couple of days and I've heard, uh, I, I've never heard Rubicon so much in my life but. I feel like uh, I'm at a Jeep convention. Um, That's a good one. <laughs> the, 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 uh, the mood and atmosphere of like, uh, this is a bridge too far and everything's changed today. It's, it's quite stunning that this affects you um, or, or is more of an outrage than January 6th. Can you see that? I mean, we have a guy who, Nobody disputes the fact that, like, he he cheated on on his wife. He he says he didn't, but I mean, he's said a lot of things. Um, they did falsify records. Somebody did jail time for this. The person that did jail time for this was prosecuted by the Republican Department of Justice. AMI David Pecker was cut a plea deal with the Republican Department of Justice. So the facts are what they are. He wrote the checks. He did the crime. 
they put him in the room with Michael Cohen, David Pecker, Alan Weisselberg, and Donald Trump before the, uh, the 2016 election. And there was a scheme put together to defraud the voters of, of, of New York. Do you see that as a case? Well, I mean, I'm always skeptical of what Vox and NPR write. I mean, you, you, you believe what they say. You take that as a fact. I am highly skeptical of what the liberal media suggests to be true. There that's is not, a fact pattern. I mean, you asked me a question. Let me finish my answer, please. Sure. sure, um, sure. There, there is a fact pattern here that leads to a misdemeanor. I'll agree with that. I mean, that there is an absolute fact pattern that leads to a misdemeanor. That there is no fact pattern at all that connects this misdemeanor who has run out of statute of limitations leads to a felony charge. I mean, there is nothing there. I'm not talking about a little bit, kind of, sort of. There is a fact pattern, to your point, that leads to a misdemeanor, the, 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 okay. the misclassifying of business expense. There is nothing here. There is zero here that leads to a felony. Okay. okay so, so and in the statement of fact, yeah. Jeff, in the statement of fact, the AG does not, he does not say what he suspects the crime to be. We're assuming it's a campaign finance violation. But in his statement of fact, he says nothing about campaign finance violation. Two, two things. The statute of limitations is not up because he moved out of the state. Do you acknowledge that? I don't accept that as no. That, that would have to be legally okay. decided. But that is that is the law in, in, in New York. That, that would be an issue up for a, a legal decision. I'll accept that. Okay. Okay. Uh, the second thing is um, that y- you... You just said that um, he didn't say what it was. He doesn't have to say under law what he he's he's going to go for. But I, I don't want to get in the weeds on this. That, that's not in the weeds, Jeff. That, that we're indicting and arresting a president for the first time in in American history. Former and and he's leaning. Well, okay, let's, we're indicting and arresting former a former president for the first time in American history. Well, let me, Doctor Bolt, corrected me. Ulysses S. Grant got charged with speeding in a buggy back in the day and had to walk back to the White House. But but when when a when a DE, uh, excuse me, when a district attorney decides to do for the first time in American history something to me. I would like to hear in the statement of facts in the charging document what the alleged crime is that you're accusing a former president who has never been arrested in American history, what that charge. It reeks of political activism is what it does. Um, I mean, you know, we, we, can, we can say it's political activism or we can say it's equal application of the law, which I know you're going to totally disagree with. Of course I okay. do. And I, and I would let, expect you to have- believe that. Yeah, let's let's have have a day in court on that. I did want to talk to you about um, the how this is going to play out in the Republican Party, and you know when your earlier guest talked about that two three percent being short on the independent side for Trump, and the in the the GOP where they're headed, it's almost like they're on the Trump panic. You know, everybody else should be headed to the life raft to get off this boat, but they won't. You know, the, the music's playing on. The Republican Party has got a decision to make. Donald Trump will not get independence. He won't get true uh, conservative uh, Christian moral value voters. And he's not, he lost those. We know he's losing those. And so you can double down or you can, you can cut bait, 
get off, get in a lifeboat and get off that boat because it's it's not going to win the general election. Jeff, what do you make of President Trump increasing his vote total from the first term to the second by more than any president in American history ever has? What do you make of that? I mean, I don't deny what no, you I, just said, but what do you make of the yeah. other side of the coin? No, I mean, uh, you know, here's here's a, a, a real fact is Americans. No, no, no. Vote. You said here's a real uh, fact. What I just quoted uh, is a, a real, real fact. fact. Yeah. Okay. Right. And it just my fact doesn't dispute your fact. Okay. It's 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 a fact. More people vote in every election than the one before. Do you agree with that? Yeah, the country gets bigger. We have population increases. Right. And and more people now um, in that election. There was a very stark comparison um, between you know what Donald Trump brought to the United States versus an alternate alternative candidate. Again, I've always told you, Joe Biden didn't win that election as much as Trump lost it. You know, Trump has turned off people. Did he did he increase his count? He did, but he lost more people and more people got motivated to go out and vote. The first time Gen Gen X or Gen Z really got out there and voted and you saw those numbers, Um, you know, our voter participation in America sucks, right? Except in nursing homes in Wisconsin or the suburbs of Philadelphia. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. I, I, I mean, we have ninety-seven like, percent like turnouts the, in uh, nursing homes in Wisconsin, and in some of the uh, some of the Democrat precincts in Philadelphia, I think they average about ninety-two or three percent. So to say that our voting percentages suck is a misrepresentation of some of the Democrat strongholds in some of the swing states. I mean, they vote exceeding. So they, they, they voted a higher percentage than they are yeah. made to vote for Putin in Russia. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's so true because when you look at the villages in Florida, those people vote two or three times. Well, I mean, you said people are more motivated to vote. I, I don't, I I don't mean, buy that. I mean, I, I just don't buy that people are more motivated to vote. I think we've made um, voting a sham. I think voting should require some degree of effort. I mean, if you want to participate in electing a president, you, you should have some knowledge of when it is and where to go and 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 what to do. And and we we've watered down the process. To such a point where a lot of people vote, don't ever go anywhere, probably don't know who they vote for. You know as well as I do, the ballot harvesters knock on the door, the ballot sits on the the nightstand, they help the person fill out the ballot, they care the ballot and turn it in. That's not democracy to me. That that's a sham of an election. Can can I ask you a question? Sure, what you do can. You think voting was like what, what do you think voting was like uh, like for? for uh, Thomas Jefferson. I don't know what it was like. What, I'm saying I, the way I'd vote voting think, to be. I, well, I mean, you're, but I'm you're just, asking, it's, asking, it's not, but it's not 1790. I mean, it's not 1804 anymore, Jeff. I mean, I, I just think that voting in a, in, a, in a nation as great as America should require some degree of effort. And we're making well, it too easy for people to vote. I would rather, and I know you would disagree to this, and I respect that. I would rather make it a little harder to vote in America. That way, people that want to do it what would give some effort, and it matters a little bit more to them th- than it does today. Yeah, Ken, if, if you don't watch on election night and see people standing in line, sure in, I in do. Inner cities in the U.S. But, and that's one, but 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 you, Jeff, you you won't okay. accept my argument that in certain places, uh, okay. I mean, I, I'll yeah, but and that 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 warms my heart. And and to be honest with you, I, I hope you vote Republican. I hope you vote conservative. But but if you're willing to stand in line after a long day's work to cast a ballot for the candidate of your choice, that's as America as it gets. 
But but ballot harvesting is not. And then private financing of campaigns is not. And unsolicited mail-in ballots is not. And we've got a problem today in America with unsolicited mail-in ballots, with ballot harvesting, and the private financing of campaigns. That's the sham I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, I told you and I agree that somebody standing in a rain jacket in a line for an hour voting for Trump or Biden, that's America. I mean, there's nothing better than that. But but that's Kevin, not what happens in a lot of these swing states. Kevin, I, I'll just say this to you: um, the, the private funding of campaigns is, is is the detriment of the democracy. It is. Um, but I'll, I'll say to you this: and and if you don't think it's harder to vote in Mecklenburg County than it is in Pinehurst County, if you don't think you've got to go through special efforts to vote in in urban areas versus rural uh, affluent areas then you've got your head in the sand. You'll acknowledge that there are challenges and impediments to voting in certain areas, and it's not equal. Totally agree. And we need to address that okay. in, in, a, in a fair and impartial way. Hey, we got to take a break. We've got a Fox guest at 825. Got to pay some bills. Thank you, Jeff. Um, a much more uh, productive conversation than we had last time. Back in a few. See, hosting a radio show as a former politician, I like the abstract. I like the inexact. I don't like words like indictment and arrest and arraignment and statement of fact. I mean, that 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 bounds you to a certain uh, reality and truth. And uh, we, we talked a lot in the last day or two or three about arraignments and indictments and arrest and statement of facts and fact trails and fact patterns and, and all these others. Yeah, when you're a former politician hosting a radio show, you like it to be, you ready? Real technical word. You like it to be squishy. <laughs> Hadn't been real squishy um, lately. Fox News Radio's Jared Halpern is with us. Jared, good morning. How are you, sir? Uh, and well, well, let me start with a question for you as a former politician. Okay. If, you're, if your opponent in a race uh, was indicted and had to plead not guilty to 34 felonies, you would use that to your advantage, correct? Under normal circumstances, yes, right. but but I don't know about today. I honestly yeah, and exactly that's the point I'm making, right? Yeah, it's remarkable that with the exception of really Asa Hutchinson, every other Republican running for the presidency against former President Trump um, has agreed with him on this. That that this is you know in their view uh, political and flimsy, and uh, they're just out to get them, and, and this is a, a subversion of of justice and. Uh, you know, election, whatever. I mean, it, it's remarkable, right? I mean, in, in most campaigns, if the headline blazing across every newspaper is a, a picture of you sitting at a defense table, um, that's the campaign. Um, and, you know, as we saw last night in Mar-a-Lago, um, you know, uh, there, this is going to be a, sort of a rallying cry for, for President Trump, and, and at least as it looks right now, uh, going to present a bit of a challenge, I think, for, you know, Nikki Haley and and um, potentially, I guess, Ron DeSantis, whoever else may get in this race. Right. Um, and, and that's uh, going to be fascinating to watch here because this is going to be a slow process. The next court hearing uh, is not until December 4th. Remember, there are additional uh, separate grand jury investigations concerning Trump. You have the Georgia case, uh, whether or not he violated election law by sort of pressuring election officials on that phone call. You have uh, two separate uh, special counsel, well, one special counsel looking at two separate investigations here in Washington as it relates to the documents uh, that were uh, taken to Mar-a-Lago in uh, the, pres- the former president's role on January 6th and in- election interference. So 
these are not issues that are going away. And it has been fascinating to sort of watch uh, how it has reshaped the way that I think most of us think about uh, modern politics and modern campaigning. And Jerry, to that point, I mean, I'll speak. When I ran for lieutenant governor in South Carolina in 2010, I don't want to recount that story. I'll give you a thumbnail. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a college dropout from a town with no stoplight. And, and I, and I, you know, I had consulted Robert Haley of Trafalgar was my chief consultant and Robert would, would, would demand of me to say certain things, but, but I sensed a disenfranchisement of the public. I sensed a resentment that people in what I'd call flyover America had of the elites, the establishment, the ruling class. So, so when Trump won in 16, what was so competitive in 20 and appears to be on his way to Republican, I, I just don't know that people in power and of influence or properly accounting for how much disenfranchisement, how much resentment there is of people toward not you being in our nation's capital, but those who control the levers of government. And I'm talking about trade and globalism and China and immigration. I mean, it's a lot more complex than that. But but when we say how in the world can Trump be a martyr and how can he sustain and how can he be a a legitimate candidate for president of the United States after January 6th and after uh, the indictments, I I just think there's a miscalculation that people who believe they know what's going on but are so removed from what's really kicking in the soft side of the underbelly of America. Does that make sense? Well, it does. I mean, listen, and I think that's been – that has always sort of been the, the model here for uh, for Trump, right? He he moved the Republican Party in a much more populist direction. Um, it once was the Democratic Party that was sort of the more populist kind of strain in, in American politics, right? Now it certainly seems to be. And, and listen, I think the, the Republican Party writ large is kind of having a, an internal debate about it, right? I, I think it goes into things like Ukraine aid, and you have Republicans who say that this military assistance needs to continue at its current pace, if not greater, because there is much more at stake here. You have others who say, we have a lot of problems here at home. Why do we continue to give billions and billions of dollars overseas? Um, but, you know, regardless of where you fall on that, I think you're right. One thing that, that former President Trump has been very successful at is um, sort of uh, presenting himself as sort of representative of um, the us versus them kind of thoughts, right? Again, the, the populism that, that has kind of always been there in American politics, but has really in, in the last, uh, you're probably right, since the Tea Party movement, maybe in 2010, had a resurgence here um, in, in conservative politics. Well explained. Jared, you do such a great job. Thank you for joining us this morning, sir. I appreciate that. And Thank have you. a great day. Jared Halpern of um, Fox News. And, uh, you know, I don't know how far these guys are willing to go down the road of barroom discussions with local radio yahoos after they after they've arrived red's got this belief that these guys look at a rundown sheet in the morning and say and then we got seven of these local yahoos and talk about such and such right because they've risen past that these right? are national yeah, news correspondents national right? news correspondent and fox offers you know a list every day and certain um topics that certain guests are or you know are, are willing and i guess obligated via contract with fox to come on the air and talk and we've tried to um make ourselves somewhat different rev said he's heard some of these guests on other shows and they just go hey the weather's 87 we have with us jared halpern jared what's going on yeah. in the world and, and, of they, American and they give politics. the report and, and they give it. the there's report the, there's not the back and forth like you and jared just had. but but i think they enjoy that i mean i think they really I enjoy the so. back and forth and i think you have a little bit of cred when you say i've served in office i ran a campaign uh, especially when you're talking about campaign finance violations <laughs> I mean, you know, I have a lot of credibility with the campaign finance violation um, side of this. Jonathan Turley is one of the guys that really understand 
um, you know, the the indictment, arraignment, uh, the theories of uh, how do you make a, uh, how do you turn a, and I want to say this before we move on. You may not buy what, what I'm about to say, but Jeff is a great asset to this program. I mean, he provides a glimpse into a world that we disagree with. Uh, and, and I, you know, at a couple of times, I don't think Jeff's been real respectful of me, and I probably hadn't been real re- respectful of him. But um, but I think the last call we had was very amicable and uh, not appreciative of each other's opinion. I would expect that to be to be the case, but very respectful of uh, of one another's opinion. And I'm telling you guys, the last thing I want to do is host four hours of people calling in and you know just agreeing over and over and over again. Do we have a call? We do. Let's go to the phone. Jim in Florence has been holding on for a while. Appreciate that, Jim. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I really need a uh, disclaimer uh, to whoever comes after Jeff that uh, it's going to be a minute. Uh, <laughs> uh, Fair enough. But, uh, he said something interesting, and he said it was easier to vote in rural affluent areas than it was in the metropolitan areas. But, what, Ken, where are these affluent rural areas? Uh, I, I don't know that rural America is doing okay at all I, I well there's this that. real big house in kingsburg that i know about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey but uh don't forget now that uh you remember when Bish- the precinct in bishopville voted 106 percent oh yeah uh yeah but at, and one more thing for jeff uh stormy daniels admitted she lied um but Ken, one thing well, that's I, why she's having to reimburse Trump for uh, for legal bills. I mean, she paid a hundred or she's I don't know if she's paid it or not. It's going to how many moves she's doing. Um, but she 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 owes him about six hundred grand in legal bills um, from, you know, some of the um, some of the imperfections of her pleas. Yeah. So one of the things I've heard you say a lot about is how Trump lost support of this group or support of that group. So and this is my chance to jump on you a little bit is that when we look at the modern presidency, so I guess starting with LBJ probably after the assassination of Kennedy, and we look at presidents that ran for re-election, the ones that won re-election all got more support. Um, The ones that uh, lost re-election, lost support. So Nixon got more support or Nixon got more votes, Reagan got more votes, Clinton got more votes, Bush Jr. got more votes. But, and we certainly wouldn't say that they lost support, but here's Trump right on par, gaining more votes. He gained more votes than Reagan. He didn't gain more votes than Nixon. Nixon was just off the charts. So why do, who left Trump? I mean, that would be my biggest question is who left him because clearly no one did. The numbers don't lie. Now, Jeff says that, oh, well, more people vote each time. Well, that's not necessarily true. I think if you look at uh, 08 and 12, you would see that that's not true. But also, too, the rate of increase from 16 to 20 does not match. It is completely unprecedented and totally warrants an investigation. Um, but I'll, I'll end with this, Ken. With the, the one success Republicans have had in this country is the expansion, just an absolute explosion of gun rights. Um, uh, it, at the state level, I'll say. And we've done increasingly well. We've gone from all these states from, I think, late 70s to uh, getting CWPs and concealed carry and all, uh, all this licensing through to now we've got half the states in this country um, 
that have constitutional carry. Uh, so maybe we should uh, put Wayne LaPierre in charge of the Republican Party. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Um, that's kind of an interesting observation. Um, did Trump lose support amongst some groups? Yes. I mean, there's an underperformance in about 11 counties. I try to explain that to the best of my ability. But what Trump did, I mean, let's say hypothetically, I don't have the data in front of me, but let's say Trump lost suburban moms in Philadelphia. And, and because of that, he lost Pennsylvania. He gained more support. He brought politically inactive people into the um, into the voting realm at, at a rate nobody ever has. I say nobody. I don't know about you know the history before you know. I mean, we're talking about when JFK got killed. That was Jim's cutoff point, not mine. I don't know what happened back in the day. I mean, I don't know how much Jefferson support uh, increased or how much uh, Lincoln's. I mean, I, you know, I've I've never evaluated data um, to that degree. But, but I mean, Trump went from, what, 61 or 2 million to nearly 75 million. Uh, we believe the majority of those were politically inactives. He convinced them that there's something at stake here. He, um, he tugged at their heartstring. Um, Jared was talking about populism, and populism is not a coherent governing philosophy. I mean, I'll stand by that statement. I've said it since day one. I'll stick to my guns. I am a populist. I mean, I am. I mean, if you ask the energy that uh, that kind of um, motivates me to get up every morning and talk politics for four hours, it's not traditional conservatism. I mean, it's certainly not neoconservatism. I mean, I am a populist. I, I am. A, I was a candidate of the people. I'm a radio show host of the people. I come from a place where um, I mean, I've always said the common man. I mean, God must love the common man. He made an ass of them. Um, and I grew up with you know the rank and file American. I mean, that's who I grew up with. My father enjoyed moderate success in business. Um, I guess to some degree, Rev, in a small town, I was privileged. I mean, it would have been privileged in Manhattan, rest assured. Um, but, but you know, I mean, my views are, are, are embedded in that belief. I mean, that, you know, you're my people. I mean, I, I talked about an event I went to last week, and they weren't my people. I had a buddy of mine who sent me a text. I showed Rev the text. He invited me to the event. I went to the event, and he said, um, I said, I didn't get to say bye or something like that. Sorry, I didn't say bye and thank you. He said, no, when I turned around, you were knocking the door off the hinges, <laughs> trying to get out of there. Well, I mean, I, I just, that's not my place. That's not my people. And I do believe, as I expressed to Jared, that there's, there's a perpetual uh, uh, misunderstanding of how much resentment is out here, how much disenfranchisement people honestly and truly feel about, you know, their political capital. And their political connectivity. And for a long time, Rev, you, you told those people to get back in line and we'll decide who you vote for at, at some point in time. And, and you know, in 16, we jumped into the abyss. We decided to not listen to the, the ruling class, the establishment, the elites, the, the cathedral. We decided to do our own thing. And here we are trying to figure out our way. And we found somebody. I mean, I knew somebody would tap in uh, to the populism. I didn't think it would be, you know, Donald Trump. I never imagined it would be, you know, if somebody is complicated and uh, uh, dangerous as he is. And I mean dangerous. Dangerous? Well, he's dangerous in a good and bad way. I mean, if you believe what we believe, he's dangerous in the best way imaginable because he's a legitimate threat to the building or the, the system that has been built that some people have taken enormous advantage of. He's dangerous if you're part of that building or the, the building of that, you know, model. He's dangerous in the most um, different and, and you know, um, I mean, he's really dangerous. I mean, he's dangerous to the political ecosystem 
in any way, shape, or form. But, but you know, I, I mean, Jim makes very valid points. How, how do you say lost support when he went from $61.2 million to $75 million? But you can't deny the data in about 11 counties, and they were I mean, they, they would be establishment-oriented. It would be soccer moms. It would be those who historically vote Republican, but they would they would argue Trump fatigue. I'm just tired of the drama, man. I mean, you've heard that. Everybody's heard that. But didn't he increase support amongst Hispanic voters, black voters? Oh, and so Hispanics through the roof. I mean, if Trump runs again in 24, he will get the majority of Hispanics in America. I mean, I believe that. He won't get the majority of blacks because there's been this this sacred and holy deal made with the Democrats and African Americans. I don't understand it. I honestly and truly don't. I've tried to understand it as a Southern Republican. But, but you know, I mean, as a Southern Republican, you can't spend but so much time and resources trying to get African-Americans to vote for you. I mean, there's just a, a point of diminishing return. But, but yeah, I mean, Trump will do exceedingly well with Hispanics in 2024. And I think the most interesting point Jared made was when, when he asked a question, you know, do you want to run against somebody under, under indictment for campaign finance violations? I'm not sure you do today in Republican primary. In fact, if I ran... I would lead with that. I mean, I, I would tell people, hey, here, here I am. I'm back and I'm running. And the reason I got taken off the field the first time is the government decided how I could spend my money and not me. I mean, how compelling is that message? Think about it. I mean, my bumper sticker would be, it, it was my money and it's still my money. So, so my introduction or reintroduction to the voter would, would say, hey, they threw me out of politics because they didn't like the fact that I spent my money the way I wanted to spend it that they've got bureaucrats and administrative agencies in South Carolina that decide how you can spend your own money in pursuit of approval of the voters. I mean, that, that would be a very popular theme in the Republican Party. And I'm now independents. I don't know how that plays with independents. But, but the federal government has a credibility issue. And I've said it, and I'll say it again, and I'll, I'll stick to my guns. The one mission that I try to accomplish every single day I'm on this radio. And some would say, you have no business saying that. I think I'm derelict in my duties if I don't say that we should be highly suspicious of what the motivations of our federal government are. I mean, that, you know, I'm not a man uh, of, of, that says many profound things. I mean, you guys have listened. I'm a bit colorful and outrageous and direct and blunt at times. But, but I want to be pro- profound for a second. My job every day is to convince you to be highly suspicious of what the motivations of your federal government are. If more and more and more and more of us become highly suspicious of what our federal government's motivations are, we can save this country. If we take the federal government at its word, we're done. Take a break. Back in a few. 843-661-0937. Let's go to the phone. I got something I want to play in just a couple of seconds, but I don't want to put YouTube ahead of um <laughs> We the People. Or You the People. There you go. You the People. There you I- go. I've had about half the Celsius, so forgive my um even more accelerated way of expressing myself. Let's go to the phone. And it may accelerate more as the hour progresses, too. Yeah, yeah. It's the um, it's the sparkling grape rush Celsius. Let's go to the phone. David in the PD. Good morning. Yeah, I was just thinking about when you said when those national correspondents call in, 
Have they ever been to a beggar life bar? I don't know, Ken. But when you, whenever you brought that up one time, I'll never forget that, man. So we got that in common. You know, when, when I watched this thing yesterday, I, all I could think about, and you, you talk about the Seinfeld. Uh, we're down there in Manhattan. Seinfeld was a show that was about the upper west side Manhattan. Had multiple storylines, but it actually was filmed in, in, in Burbank. So I was thinking about all the storylines yesterday, and uh, somebody said something about a MAGA martyr, and somebody said something about Trump watches hate, cable TV, keep hearing about hush money, porn star, felony, falsify, uh, first time in history. So I guess the the media storyline is that this is this mean, rich, racist, cheating bully trying to buy his way out of trouble again. So. But to get into Steinfeld, I enjoyed watching that whole trip that he made from, I guess that would be Midtown Manhattan, Trump Tower. It was on Fifth Avenue. He went, but he got off of Fifth Avenue. He went down to the, um, I guess the FDR, and then he went to Lower Manhattan. And I I know you've been to New York City, Ken, and I'm going to say something nice about New York City. I went there years ago, and I actually witnessed the Twin Towers when they were still there there was a place you could watch the Statue of Liberty at the same spot. So there are some good things about that. But another thing that you witnessed yesterday, good Lord, look at the population density and how simple it is to harvest ballots in places like that. And then when he left the courthouse, he uh, crossed the East River, went to Queens to the airport. And then I saw that speech last night, and, and they were – you know, the media, CNN, and some of them are covering that. And then he started talking about Biden and Hunter and Chinese money and this and that, and they cut him off because their watchers, they don't, they've never heard that stuff. They don't know about what's going on with Hunter Biden and China and Jim Biden and all this. So it just shows you what the media is these days, and y'all have a good day. Thank you, David. Appreciate that. 843-661-0937. The, the, the story on the beggar lassie is I went to Talladega to a race and we ended up uh, not in harm's way, but out of the way. And we were about to go into a nightclub and this would have been many, 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 many years. This would have been before I got married in 1987. And, um, and we were, standing, we were standing in line It's race weekend in Talladega. And that's why we went to watch the race and we're standing in line and there's a guy in front of me with beggar lice on his back. And something said, this probably ain't a place we need to be. But we went in anyway. And I remember thinking to myself, so, and, and you know, we, we, we get in the car to come home the next day. And we're all talking about go where we went and what we did and all this good stuff. And I remember like, hey, dude, uh, here, here's one of my principles of life moving forward. Never go in a bar where someone is standing in line in front of you who's had beggar lice on his uh, kind of stuff. <laughs> You wonder if he slept in the parking lot. I've used this before. Drew McKissick will be with us Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. And and I told a group one day, I spoke to the Republican, might have been the young Republicans. And I said, this is kind of when Trump shows up. And um, and there seemed to be some interest of the good old boys, those who normally don't participate in politics, but they were entranced with, with this, um, you know, hey, man, this guy's a little bit, I mean, he's, he's a little bit abrasive and, and aggressive, and we can relate to that. Um, he sounds kind of like one of us when he says these certain things. And I said, you know, one of the problems in, in the Republican politics for a long time, we didn't have enough people in leadership 
that had ever gone to a bar with a dirt parking lot. And I may say something to Drew Thursday because I've heard that they've used my line on multiple occasions and not given me the proper credit. Now, I'm not interested in credit. I'm far more interested in royalties than, than, I, am, than I am credit. But when I spoke to the group, I said, you know, we're, we're realizing now that very few of our leadership have ever gone in a bar with a dirt parking lot. And until we get more people in leadership who have frequented a bar with a dirt parking lot, we're going to keep getting our ass handed to us in the rough and tumble world of, um, of Republican and Democrat politics. Let's go to the phone. Jeremy in Florence. Good morning. Good morning, y'all. Uh, two things real fast, but first off, amen on the royalty. <laughs> uh, so, for, for Jeff, real quick, here's the problem. And I don't like this, but there's already two Republican AGs that are requesting whether or not they can investigate President Biden. So, be careful of the Pandora's box, because it's already beginning. And, I again, I don't agree with it. I don't want that to be this country, but that's happening right now. Um, secondly, with the election last time with uh, Trump, it, I think it's very simple. I think it's much more simple than we're making it. I think it comes down to one issue, and I think one person cost Donald Trump the election. The issue was abortion, and the person that cost him the election was Lindsey Graham, who did the stupidest thing I've ever seen in the history of my life for a politician. After saying it's not a federal issue, it goes out and wants to propose a federal ban on abortion. Hello, you moron. And so what is what happens? You said that the statistics say that Donald Trump gained, but yet in these certain areas of the cities, women, suburban women, went out and by droves, and, and young people voted by droves, right? Because there's one thing in America that still sells, and it's sex. Thank you, sir. You guys. Well, I appreciate that. Very valid points. And I'll say this. When Lindsay did that, I mean, I didn't understand it. I mean, I really and truly... But but think about this, guys. Who is as more who's more of a neocon than Lindsey Graham? I mean, when Trump says, "I don't have any interest in being president of the world," what we're too involved in some of these foreign conflicts that may or may not have American interest and American um, security at heart. Lindsey historically has been very very hawkish. I mean, he's articulate in saying why he's hawkish. I'm not saying he's wrong. I mean, I disagree with him because I'm not an American imperialist. I'm not a neocon. I think historically I've probably fallen in line with the mindset that the world is safer and better organized with America's kind of the primary, the primary influencer. I don't know that I disagree with that. But, but I think we've stretched ourselves pretty thin, and I think we've got more issues at home that we need to make as a priority. I think we need to secure our border and adopt better trade policy, move on, figure out a way to get manufacturing back in America. I mean, there are a lot of things that, that – um, that that would lead to a less globalist, less interventionist Republican Party. But but Lindsey's heart, and I think his body and mind believe that globalism and interventionism are a necessary part of being a conservative. And and when Lindsey had a chance to to let the states, I mean historically that's what the conservatives wanted when Roe v. Wade was overturned, the states get to decide. And Lindsey out of the blue says, you know, let's federalize abortion law. Let's basically say it. Not you know the, the 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 Senate, the Congress can say no state can allow an abortion legislation to pass past whatever week um, they were decide, and that did hurt Trump with female voters in suburban areas. But but Trump made a big mistake as well by listening to Fauci. 
Now, you know, it's easy to argue. Yeah, but Ken, I mean, nobody knew. That's what I've always argued. You know, in retrospect, listening to Fauci was a mistake. Fauci was a uh, a power-hungry bureaucrat who saw his opportunity to be relevant. I mean, I, I don't want to say short man syndrome, but there was a little bit of that in play here. I mean, I think if you dig into the the psychology of Anthony Fauci, you'll find out some of the um so, so, some of that comes into play. But but Fauci was um, a thorn in Trump's side, and Trump basically gave authority to Fauci to to make these uh, never before done. But but once again, Rev, Lindsey knew better. We didn't know how to respond to the pandemic. And I've always tried to say, as aggravated as I get, as frustrated as I am, as bothered by what we did needlessly, destroying businesses and creating $6.3 trillion in new debt, I, I, I do back up a half step and say, but nobody really knew, man. I mean, we never dealt with a pandemic of that sort. Now, look, once again, looking back at it, we've had a chance to trace down some emails to look at the, the, you know, the cooperation between the cooperation between government and the private sector, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson and Johnson, and how influential they'd become in the ranks of government. So, so it's easy to be highly skeptical of what we did and why in the throes of that moment. And, you know, that's what really, really hurt Trump was the economy goes off the cliff. You made a lot of um, consequential decisions with, with a certain degree of uncertainty. And, and that, got, that got real, real, real complicated. Um, I mean, I think Trump wins again. I mean, I really believe. My, my, my issue is this. Is martyrdom sustainable? There is great. Trump will never be a more sympathetic figure in American politics than today. I mean, he, th- there are people that don't like him, but, but see through this political motive, politically motivated witch hunt. And they do believe this is a, a, an abuse of prosecutorial discretion unlike any we've ever seen. And it's unlike any we've ever seen because it features an American president or a former American president. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of prosecutorial dis- indiscretion. Rest assured of that. that. There's been abuse of power. Rest assured of that. But it's never been targeted toward a former American president. So this is unlike um, any we've ever seen. Speaking about unlike any we've ever seen, I want to go to um, I want to give the New York Times a bit of a shout out. They've got a uh, beat reporter, White House correspondent Michael Shear, I think is his name. Um, he basically challenges the black lesbian yesterday on um, you know why the White House is willing to talk about January six so openly and candidly when there's uh, a lot of investigations going on. But when it comes to, um, you know, the indictment and arrest of President Trump, it's the old, we can't discuss cases that are pending. Let's go there. So what's the difference between that and this? Done. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. Um, but with all seriousness, January 6th um, was a devastating day. You guys, I think if, if you guys weren't there, some of your colleagues were on Capitol Hill. We had, um, we had law enforcement, uh, police officers who were attacked, who died. Um, and what we saw on that day was an attack on our democracy. It was a devastating, devastating day in our history. And it was, uh, it was a moment for this president to have spoken to, right? You had millions and millions of Americans who watched what was happening on Capitol Hill, something that many of us, I've never seen it, and many of us had never, ever seen before, you know? And uh, it was something that needed to be spoken to uh, when you 
you see something like that, our democracy, literally our democracy under attack. And so the president will never shy away when it comes to our democracy, when it comes to the fabric of who we are as a country and what makes this country uh, who it, what it is. Uh, and so it, it was a different, different moment and a different time. What we're, no, I hear you. I, I hear well, I, I follow up. I, I know, but let me. Sure, go ahead. Uh, when it comes to these types of cases, these criminal, like specific cases, uh, we're just not going to comment. I know there's a broad. I, I get. I get you. I know there's a broader question of what this means, the precedent, and and uh, and what the president is going to decide or make decisions that he might make, like hypothetical questions. I'm just not going to comment from here on that. Again, I was asking why you yeah, were going to comment and on, I, on there. I, and, I'm and, hoping that I, I laid that out for you, and I just laid out why we commented on January 6th, and we're just going to be very mindful. These are ongoing so cases. 100 cases involving Americans I, who, who, whose freedom hear, was at, I at hear risk. You. I hear you, right? but this so, is something that all of Americans watch in real time, in real time. And people, people died. I people die. I don't need a lecture on the fact that but people But you're lecturing die. me. But, but, but you're I'm, lecturing I'm me. Not, yes, you are. I'm asking questions, and what I'm saying is there are millions of people out there watching today. You, you, you called January 6th historic. It was absolutely historic, and none of us had ever seen that before. Nobody's seen this before either. There are millions and millions of Americans watching the first time in 250 years a former president be hauled into court and, and, and processed for arrest. That means something. That has some effect, potentially, I suspect, on, on American democracy and on how the rest of the world, the, the president has talked a lot about how the rest of the world sees the United States in the wake of January 6th. Totally valid. Why isn't that, why isn't there a similar kind of assessment about how the world is watching us now? You, good or bad, I'm not making a no, judgment whichever way, I, I'm just saying. And I hear your question. January 6th is just was a different moment. It just was. It was something uh, that that was incredibly devastating. People died on that day and were harmed. And it was just it was just something that we saw visually, that we reacted to, uh, and many people were scared in that moment. And as the president was taking office, as the next president of the United States, a president that ran on bringing the country together, on protecting our democracy, it was something that it was important to speak to at that at that moment. And also, you know, uh, we know that Americans still very much care about this. When it comes to a, a criminal investigation like this, uh, that is ongoing, we are just not going to comment. We're not going to interfere. We're not going to politically interfere from here. And we've been consistent. We've been very consistent. I know you're bringing up January 6th. I just laid out why we believe that was very different. Um, but we're just going to be consistent. There's um the black lesbian being confronted by New York Times. It's almost like wow. um, I've got to I've gotta ask you about, I still want to go to the hot yoga class with you. And I still want to, uh, you know, you know, drink drink some sparkling water and and eat some um some seaweed sandwiches and and I and I'm sure I'll see you at the Greenpeace dinner tomorrow night. But but I've got to ask you this, and guys, I'm telling you, the the idea of America is exceptional. I mean, the the, the notion of liberating um, human capital, liberty, freedom, the pursuit of happiness, 
Um, all men are created equal. All of that matters. I mean, there is no question that that is in the grand design that has led to the greatest nation of the history of mankind. But nothing is 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 so sacred that it can't be destroyed from within. And when I hear uh, the black lesbian, I hear incompetence. I mean, just rampant and rank incompetence. P- people die. I mean, people died. She's talking about people died. Now, is she talking about Ashley Babbitt? No, I mean, of course not. I mean, she's talking about, but but it fits the narrative, Rev. And when someone challenges, and she never expect a reporter from the New York Times to challenge her, because once again, they probably go to the same hot yoga class. They probably bump into one another at Starbucks, drinking a skinny cinnamon dolce latte, um, grande, if you will, um, every day. In other words, they're in the club. And how dare you challenge me? I mean, I let you in this club. They let me in this club. Why would you put being in the club at risk? I mean, is it really worth doing the job of a journalist to put yourself at risk of not being in the club? I mean, how insane are you, man? You are a reporter at the New York Times. You're in the club. And you're asking a question about President Trump? And, and she has no answer. And I want to go back to, to, to the fundamental debate I'm trying to make. This is a great nation. The idea and concept of America is unbelievably, unbelievably um, great for, you know, the, the liberating of human capital and people pursuing their dreams and, and living better lives. But, but it's not immune to incompetence. And if enough dunces get in charge of government agencies and enough incompetence is allowed to penetrate to high-ranking degrees within our government, we will begin to decline. And that's what's happening today. I read something the other night about um, some of these very successful businesses are having problems filling jobs with competent people, smart, competent, able people, because they've committed to these um, Dale Earnhardt Incorporated provisos. I'm being funny here. The diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, parameters set forth by liberal America that you've got to have so many of this kind and so many of that kind. And uh, it doesn't matter if this person's really good at their job. Wh- where do they stand on transgenderism? You know, where, where do they stand on, on homosexuality or, or, or whatever inclusionary method the government feel is warranted? And, and guys, I'm telling you, the concept of America can't withstand but so much incompetence and corruption. And when you look at American decline, I would argue that a lot of the reason, I mean, there are very able and capable people in America. I mean, there, there is no doubt about it. And there are very able and capable people within the government. But, but we're, we're rewarding people because of their political leanings, political biases, and we're not trying to find out whether they're smart and capable enough to do the job. So when you say the idea of America can sustain anything, no, it cannot. Rest assured, America can fail and will fall if we allow rank incompetence to infiltrate itself into the the, the most important levels of a uh, an ever-growing federal government. Take a break. Back in a few. All right, I want to go back real quick. I was going to play Jonathan Turley, but I think I can do a better job than Turley. Turley gives you a scholarly explanation. I want to give you kind of a good old boy explanation. The one thing that I've been accused of and, and I guess I stand guilty as charged, is being able to explain complicated matters in a very simple way. The reason is I'm a simple man with a very limited aptitude, a limited 
degree of intellect. I have to keep things simple or I get lost in the minutia of complexity. We'll go to the phone. We'll come back. We got a guest here. We got to get in before the end of the show doing some important work in our community. I want to go to the uh, to the call. Then we'll come back and let me try to explain it the best and simplest way I know how. LW in Calhoun County, listening to WTQS in Orangeburg. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Uh, my, I've uh, been listening this morning, and um, uh, you, the one comment you just made, I listen every morning, and so, but I'm still working, and I don't have time to call. So, a lot of times, I you know want to call, but I can't call, and I kind of feel like a first time karaoke guy, you know, <laughs> a little bit nervous. Well, well, well no, have at it. It's, the floor is yours, my man. Have at it. Okay. Well, you know, it, the, the 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 comment about the decline, and you know, for the last 15 years, you know, uh, I I. I guess people think I was a little nuts because, you know, I I heard you comment about the Romans this morning and, uh, and, uh, I, you know, I keep tell I was telling people, you know, we're, we're in, you know, we're doing stupid stuff guys, you know, and if we continue to go down this road and um, we're going to be like the Romans and, and, uh, every great, uh, group has, uh, is gone. You, you see any Romans walking around now, uh, or Mayans or anything like that. And, uh, it's not when we're going to fail, you know, it's if we're going to fail, it's just when we're going to fail. And I think we're getting real close there right now. And, um, you know, we need to get together and, uh, and cut this thing off at the pass. But anyway, another comment I had, um, you know, was, um, uh, we were talking, talking about, uh, G- uh, Trump being close to Jesus. And, you know, of course, I know you don't believe that, and I don't believe that, but I do believe, you know, uh, Trump, man, you probably had a few friends like Trump, you know, you never knew what was coming out of his mouth, you know, he uh, <laughs> he would surprise you, and I've had a few friends like that, but, you know, uh, I think his heart's in the right place, and I, and I wish people would see through that. If, uh, if I could mix Trump with Reagan, and uh, in other words, he had the speaking ability to appeal to the heart like Reagan did, and then the the heart to to go after things that are not going good like Trump does, we'd be a lot better. But anyway, that's just my comment, guys, and appreciate you every morning and listen every morning. And I, I would like to be able to call more, but uh, sometimes work stands away. Well, you, you, but, uh, you nailed the karaoke song. Thank you, my man. Appreciate <laughs> you listening and appreciate you calling it. And, you know, I understand you called it the first time and you're a little bit nervous. You, you, you want to keep your um – your mind in a consistent place and make sure you you make your points in a very understandable way you did a great job of that um i wish we had more people willing to take that you know opportunity and call for the first time um you know i said this morning trump ain't jesus i mean i looked on twitter that there's some i mean trump ain't jesus forget that i mean if you're christian and this is holy week i mean there's some irony here if you're a christian you understand that jesus is the son of god he is a savior of the world. But there was a group persecuting Jesus called the Romans. So I said this morning, Trump ain't Jesus, but it ain't hard to find the Romans. I mean, the ruling class are definitely the Romans, power, influence, uh, money. I mean, there's a lot of ingredients there that lead them um, down the road of persecution. And I'm sorry, guys, this is not prosecution. This is persecution the guy that is trying to stretch uh, a statute limited misdemeanor into a felony reduced 52 percent of all felony charges 
two misdemeanors while being the the district attorney in um in that district. So to suggest that he's tough on crime and this is what he does, no, it's not at all what he does. Now I said earlier, I'll say again: arraignments, indictments, arrest, statement of fact. I mean, we get lost in that. I mean, grand jury hearings and and subpoenaed records. I mean, you know, the majority of us are watching um, Seinfeld. We're not immensely involved in our legalities and judicial process in America. So I I want to explain it. I mean, I read the statement of facts yesterday. I read the indictment document, and it's all about the $130,000 paid to Stormy Daniels for a non-disclosure agreement, which is legal. I mean, that is the crux of the matter. Every incriminating offering by this racist district attorney is about the $130,000 payment to Stormy Daniels for a non-disclosure agreement. The payment was made to what the document says is Lawyer A. That's Michael Cohen. We know that to be true. Trump reimbursed Cohen um, using his own money, which is legal. No question about it. All of that is legal. Here's where it gets a little bit uh, confusing. The 34 counts, because some of us would have said 34 counts. I thought it was just one woman. The 34 counts rise from the fact that the agreement Cohen got reimbursed by sending monthly invoices to Trump or Trump's revocable trust, and Trump would pay the bill. So for each monthly bill from Cohen, we get three counts of what they're arguing is falsifying documents. In other words, there is an invoice, there is a ledger entry, and there is a check stub. So in one transaction, this tough on crime DA is saying there are three three charges. I argued this morning it would be like Rev getting charged for jaywalking and having 34 counts each of the steps he took to get from one side of the road to the other. Rev did jaywalk. I mean, there's no doubt about it, but he doesn't have 34 counts. It just took 34 steps, and they're charging him for each and every single individual um, step. Now, I want to go to the um, to the DA's um, exact language. You ready? Um, it says that all of this was done, and here's their words, with intent to defraud and intent to commit another crime and aid and conceal the commission thereof. I mean, that's legal mumbo-jumbo. But, but it never says what the other crime is. And the argument he's making, I don't have to say. I mean, you're indicting and arresting a former president for the first time in American history. And this DA, who is a racist political activist, is deciding that, you know, when I do that, I, because I don't have to, I'm not going to disclose. I mean, we all, America deserves better than that. I mean, I'm sorry, but, but it does not say what the crime is. Um, the crime is mandatory. I mean, there has to be a second crime because without it, falsifying a business record in New York is a misdemeanor and the statute of limitations has run out. Now, Jeff tried to argue, but he moved. I mean, I guess there's a legal debate to be had about that. Um, The Jonathan Turleys of the world agree with me that the statute of limitations. so, So we're presuming. I mean, once again, guys, we have the statement of fact. We're making the presumption that the second crime is, is campaign finance violations. That's where we are. Ambiguity abounds. I mean, there's some salacious and, and lurid context about, you know, this other woman and this long narrative to the National Enquirer, but, but that has nothing to do with this. I mean, nothing, nothing at all.
Um, and when Trump addressed the media yesterday in his campaign speech, I mean, he talked a little bit about Bragg and, and the indictment, but, but mostly about this, this left-wing deception that, you know, um, equal application of the law is what they're after. There is no way. I mean, this, this is one of the flimsiest indictments that, that most lawyers say they've ever seen. I got three friends of mine. Two vote for Trump, one doesn't. None of them love Trump. Two are Republicans. They vote Republican. They voted for Trump. The others are liberal. They, they all said, this is insanity. I mean, why would we insult our judicial system by doing this? Now, if you got a hard butt DA who just doesn't play nonsense with anybody, I get it. But this guy, once again, reduced 52% of all felony charges to misdemeanors, and he is reaching for a a politically motivated, unbelievably abusive uh, prosecutorial, prosecutorial discretion in a way that we should all be um, not, not, not angry with, but afraid of. But because I'll, I'll make a challenge and a call. I want to find the first DA or AG in America who is a Republican to go after the Clintons, the Obamas, the, the whomever. I mean, Biden's the president today, but let, let's, let's, you know, let's indict Hunter Biden today. Let's indict Jim Biden. I mean, we can't Joe because Joe's the president, but let's indict Hunter Biden today. And my hand before God, if I were a, a, a district, excuse me, an AG or a district attorney, I would in some way, somehow, by the end of the week, I'd have Hunter Biden under arrest. I mean, there is no doubt in my mind. There's enough criminating information, and then we'll go to Joe, and then we'll go to Jim. And then we'll go to Jill. And then we'll go to the girl that was married to Bo and ended up dating Hunter. I mean, we, you know, I mean, this is where we are, guys. I mean, this is, hey, I've got a hippie kid who is a romantic at heart. He struggles meeting the world where it is. He wants the world to be a certain way. I've lectured to him, son, I wish the world were, were, were the way you want it. But it's not. We have imperfection, humanity, human flesh, sin, um, you know, power, influence. There's a game being played in America right now, and then political power's at stake. And, and we've got to meet the world where it is. So if you're a Republican who says, well, let's get back to the constitutionality, let's get back to the, uh, I mean, the Mitt Romneys of the world, the Boy Scouts of the world, this is no time for Boy Scouts. We better find some Republicans who've been in bars with dirt parking lots. Take a break. Back in just a few moments. 843-661-0937. We've got a, a phone in the other studio that flashes when it rings. And, and you know, when I see it ring, I know that we've probably got a call coming in. But Rev's got this, uh, some sort of um, Rolex or whatever. Anyway, he's got this real expensive uh, watch, and it hits the light a certain way, and it looks like the phone's ringing. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. I uh, didn't know that. I mean, there's no telling what that watch cost. But, um, <laughs> it's just a... But, but you're, you're, you're a highfalutin radio personality. Yeah. You can afford things um, like mm-hmm. that. So so when I look over and I think the phone's ringing, it's actually yeah. it's actually a um, uh, Riz, you know, $200,000 watch that, <laughs> right. that, uh, that right. he wears and, and yeah. in, in the most flowing and, uh, and gaudy sort of way. <laughs> hey, uh, Joey Edwards is with us. Joey's been with us not a hundred times. I'm glad your watch never hits the light. It blinded me. <laughs> but but, anyway, but jo- Joey's with us and has been um, and has been on the show several times. I hear you, funny man. Mm-hmm. Um talking about the um the youth mentors of the pd now now youth mentors of the pd joy good morning sir how are you good morning so, so youth mentors of the pd formerly known as big brothers big sisters but they had some structural obligations that you felt impeded your ability to put the money where you felt the money needed to be best spent 
That's exactly right, Ken. That happened in 2018. We changed our name from Big Brothers, Big Sisters of the PD to Youth Mentors of the PD, doing the exact same thing, trying to help children of the PD have a successful life. And one of the things you do is have a barbecue cook-off as part of your yearly fundraising. I was nervous it was this weekend, and the weather looks a little bit questionable. It's not. It's next weekend. Tell us a little bit about the uh, the barbecue cook-off festival that is going to be in the Palmetto Peddlers parking lot. Am I right? That's correct, okay. Ken. Okay, Ken, it's, you're right. It's next weekend, the 14th and 15th of April, and on Friday the 14th is when we have our Anything But contest. Uh, these cookers come in and set up, and they start with their barbecue, but they also that night cook some things other than barbecue that the public is certainly welcome to come in and taste. Um, that's from 5 to 8. And then on Saturday from 11 until 2, that's the actual barbecue competition and where people can come in and sample the barbecue. And, Joy, these people are serious. Very serious. Like I say, some people love to golf, hunt, fish. These people cook barbecue, and they're very, very good at it. And um, and the funds collected will go to help you mentor these kids that are in complicated and difficult situations. Exactly, Ken. Like I say, this is a fundraiser for our organization, Youth Mentors of the PD. And what we do at Youth Mentors is we work with children from single-parent families in the PD area, and we try to get them involved in our program and match them with an adult mentor that they can develop a friendship and relationship with. That's what the entire program's based upon is being the child's friend, helping them through the difficult times of growing up and hopefully helping them become productive citizens in society. So Joey, is it a price? I mean, if it admits, are there wristbands? Are there tickets? Walk me through how we can best financially support what you're trying to do here. Okay. Well, I say we'd love to have a couple more cookers. We have around 15 that are coming to schedule cook with us so far. Um, sponsorships are also available. You can uh, call our number 843-662-7081 or email us at pdyouthmentors at gmail.com. Those are available. But if you just want to come and eat, which a lot of people do, you can come on Friday nights. The wristbands are $10 a piece. If you have a child 12 years in, and younger, they're, if they're with a paying adult, they can get in for free. Same thing on Saturday, $10 a piece for the wristband. And you get all the food you want on Friday and all the food you want on Saturday. I've, I've judged that thing, and it is really, really good, both on Friday and on Saturday. So for 10 bucks, you're getting to try a lot of different sorts of foods, and that's um, that's quite the uh, the value. I want to go back. So, so so it's next Friday and Saturday, not this weekend, but next Friday and Saturday in the parking lot at Palmetto Pellers, they got this grass area that they allow Joey and those to do their thing. Let's step aside of the money for one second. What if somebody wants to be a mentor? I mean, I got to believe you're always looking for some willing and able body. So how can someone help you there? Well, there again, you're exactly right, Ken. We can always use more volunteers. And I say the way you can come and volunteer for our agency is, I say, either call us, 843-662-7081, email us, pdyouthmentors at gmail.com. We'd be more than happy to talk to you, male or female, about possibly mentoring a child. There again, it works two ways. Not only are you helping a child that's in a difficult situation, but the mentor gets a lot out of the situation also because you're helping somebody grow up and hopefully become a productive citizens in society. Well said. So Friday, April 14, in the in the parking lot at Palmetto Peddlers from 5 p.m. to 8, anything but, and that's B-U-T-T, and then Saturday, April 15, from 11 to 2, 
a barbecue tasting, and uh, and I guess a contest that will be judged accordingly. And it's kind of personal preference. I mean, you know, your barbecue is better than mine. Says who? Says no judges over there. So you win the honor, and they don't. $10 wristbands per person on Friday. $10 again on Saturday. Joey said kids 12 and under with an adult eat free. Is yes, that right? Sir. Yes, sir. Okay. And we want to um, wish you nothing but good luck. And uh, these guys have been, you know, when we started doing this show, the guy that allowed us to do this show said, if I ever hear of you not letting someone on the show trying to make a difference or impact in the community, you won't have a show long. And um, and I got it loudly and clearly. And um, and we've tried our best to always set aside and a lot, a little bit of time for people who are genuinely trying to to make the uh, the communities of which we broadcast better places. And uh, and the barbecue cook-off festival in Palmetto Peddlers on behalf of youth mentors of the PD is one of those examples. And Joey has been oh, what, six or eight years you've been coming by here. At least. And, and telling people about um about what you're trying to do. Good luck. Thank you, Ken. Thank you. Good to see you. Hey, enjoy your day. We'll be back tomorrow to um rant about other things.